Hi, this is Matt Wagner, creator of Grendel and Mage at this year's New York City Comic Con, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> There's that sound. That means we are go. 11 o'clock comics are go. So we should have shirts that says that. Yeah. Oh, it's a stacks of shirts. Piles and piles of them. It is getting close to Christmas, and I did receive a message from, from DAP related to that very topic. So I should, I should have read it. Speaking of Christmas, I was thinking about that. Are we not doing the, the holiday gift exchange this year? Why? It's only October. I feel like it's usually gone by now, isn't it? No idea. No, what are usually um, has everybody chiming in early November? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm pretty Dis- sure. Disregard them. Forget about it. Forget about it. You guys are pretty low-key. You better get your shit all geared up, because we, we got a barn burner to record. Um, dude, I'm, I'm fucking ready. Yeah, I had a long ass week. It's earnings season. It's my busy time. I'm. Isn't everyday earnings season for you though? No, 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 no. Earnings season means the time when public companies report their results to investors. I mean, when they, they lie. Okay. They do it. They do it, they do it quarterly. <laughs> He's so dismissive. They do it quarterly, and usually it falls on the first few weeks after the end of the fiscal quarter. So ah, my my busy times are usually. Mid to late January, mid to late April, mid to late July, and mid to late October. Hmm. Well, our busy time is Thursday night. It's every goddamn Thursday night. You know this, like clockwork. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 633, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B, and I am David A. Price. Both of those things are absolutely true, but more importantly, I'm Gendy Tartakovsky. Oh, okay. Well, nice. And I know why, but you're not. You're not Mr. Tartakovsky. You're Jason Wood, everybody in the it's house. Bank account. Yeah, that would be nice too. But I would, more, more importantly, I wish I had his creativity because he produces some pretty damn awesome animations. Oh, hails yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know who carries a book? Inspired by the work of Mr. Tartakovsky? Discount comic book service. Exactly. DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of that price that everybody else down the street and around your house is paying. For example, from Kodansha, it's Drifting Dragons, Volume 1, a thick little manga, Volume the first of which, I don't know how long this is going to run. Chances are good that it'll be fairly long. and uh, But it's written and drawn by Taku Kurabara. And it is uh, supposedly Miyazaki-inspired. It, it looks like it. From the, the images that we were shown in the previous catalog, it does look like it's in the realm of Mr. Miyazaki's Nausicaa, which is not a bad thing. Uh, $12.99 cover price, but you... You're so smart. You're getting it for $7.14. That's 45% off. There's trouble in Spiral City. Uh Uh-oh. The place has found itself trapped in a vicious cycle of crime, corruption, and violence. And who's going to save the day? Well, Skulldigger and his little buddy, Skeleton Boy. Because there's somebody 
it says here he's nefarious. Uh, somebody named Grim Jim running around that's not good for Spiral City. Is uh, Skulldigger and Skeleton Boy going to be enough to save the day? Well, you're going to have to buy this thing to find out. It's issue one of six from Dark Horse, of course. It's in the Black Hammer universe. It is uh, $3.99 cover price. Did I say the title? I don't think I did. Skulldigger from the world of Black Hammer. And you can bring it on home for $1.99. Bringing up the rear, but never ever in our hearts. It's IDW with a, a book written by Aaron Mankey and Delilah Dawson with art by Peter Kowalski, uh, who is currently wrapping up Bloodborne, which is, was a cool series for Titan. But uh, be that as it may, this is Wellington from IDW, three ninety nine cover price, your price, $1.99. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders. You can call them any time of the day, wake them up, get them out of their beds. They'll they'll fix it for you. They're the best. And uh, they don't mind order additions. So you'll get your books. you get the ones you want delivered right to your door. DCBService.com is so easy. And it's time to get those orders in if you haven't. Yeah, but uh, I know we say that, you know, get them in. It's the the, the last the end of the month but you get in a couple of days later they'll still take it because they're awesome they will and they are awesome but you making their lives a lot easier if you get them in on time of course yeah, yeah. Well, that goes from yesterday goes there you go it's the shizzle frizzle yeah well i made a, a stop today on the way home i saw yeah. that on the videos i did i got two bottles I'm only drinking one right now. <laughs> That's good. The other one's upstairs. It's gnarly head Cabernet That's Sauvignon. That's for the second half of the show. That's for next time. Uh, this time, I'm drinking 19 Crimes 2017 Red Blend. Nice. It's pretty good. You liking it? Oh, yeah. I think it's pretty damn tasty. Excellent. And it was on sale, which was kind of sort of why I bought it. Yeah, but see, even, I mean, 19 Crimes and even gnarly head, they're not... I, I feel like even their regular price is usually sale price. They're not a um, if that's not too pricey, but it's good. It, it, I think it's 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 good for what you pay for. And it's it really was ten good. bucks. Yeah, that was a sale. Really, I feel like yeah. it's usually around ten bucks. Hmm. Maybe they bamboozled me. Here comes a rube. Let's sell them something at retail price. What what I'm um, sorry. What was it? Which which one? Why was it? Nineteen Crimes uh, Red Blend. You got that app on your phone that brings I up. Do. The, oh, nice. Respect. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to see how much. I, I do respect you, even though you're a card carrying member of the the Seventh Cavalry. And, and I am not. Although <laughs> dude, that does look a lot like dude, you. that guy looks exactly like you. He, it was uncanny how much he looked. Even the 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 inflection and the look in his eye. It was well, right. I mean, plus he's blasting hip hop. It was start, so, dead yeah. on. Come you, on, you can yeah. get it uh, on on this wine store that I frequent uh, for eight bucks a bottle. Not to shit on your parade, but so I'm enjoying it. So I don't care how much it cost me. Oh, it's it. Uh, listen. What's two bucks markup for something you're enjoying? A pittance. Especially for a man of your stature. My Oh, yes. And, and my refined palate. And your, your considerable width. I'm drinking it out of the bottle. From the waist down. Um, yes. 
So uh, I am breaking mold and actually also drinking wine for the first time in a while on the show. Look at you. I know. It's been it's been a long-ass week, so I figured I would treat myself to a glass of wine with y'all. Why, thank you. Yes, I'm drinking. It's first time, too. It was a, Someone brought it over to the house. It's been sitting here. Cracked it open. Little test case. It is uh, from Argentina, uh, specifically Mendoza. It is uh, called Nieto Senatine Benjamin Malbec, 2018. Um, it's 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 not bad. It's, it's not bad. Wow, that's not a ringing endorsement. I, it's. I mean, I couched it by saying I didn't buy it. Okay. Uh, and uh, I I probably wouldn't buy it. Because, I mean, it's not bad, but there are better Malbecs for, that I can go and buy. But uh, it's fun. It, it's it's yeah. not bad. It's not bad by any stretch. I think if they, I was at a restaurant and ordered the house wine and they brought this to me, I'd be totally fine. Cool. I think things taste better when you don't pay for them. Somebody, <laughs> somebody buys you lunch? This is the best damn lunch I've had in, in weeks. Uh, I like the theory of that, but I'm generally... Nine times out of ten, I'm the person paying for a meal, so I, I, so I don't know. So I don't know. So I, I forgot what that's like for somebody to buy me a meal. Yeah, even if it's stuff I don't normally eat. Escargot, it's free. I guess I'm trying escargot. One of my small, but fa- one of my favorite but small pleasures when we're all together is getting you to eat out of your comfort zone. I enjoy it because then I have more experience. It's it's a, it's like it's my character sheet. In D and D, and I just put another tick in my experience. That's right. Area, yeah. So there you go. Areola. Um, speaking of areola, Dap, what are you drinking? Uh, it tastes like it could come from there. This is uh, there <laughs> is um, I there's a bottle that I see um at the the local spot around the corner from the house, and I I tend not to you know like. Like Vince, I, I tend to to look for. Um, I look at labels. I look at varieties, and then I and, and then I tend to look at the price, and that determines whether or not I'm going to bother with something. But um, they have this one. They, they have a red and a white, and and I keep looking at it, and and it's always more than I'm willing to spend, and because it's wine, and I go through pretty quickly, and I'm not trying to drop a lot of coin on it, and so. And this isn't this doesn't break the bank by any means. It it it's a twenty five dollar bottle, but it's still one of those, yeah exactly. So I decided to I I what I we it was after it was after New York Comic Con. We were just and I had to pick up something from Renee, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna I want to try this. I'm dying to. Let me just give it a shot. Um, even though it's a blend, it's a red wine blend. It's Cooper and Thief Cellar Masters. And it is aged three months in bourbon whiskey barrels. And it is one of the best purchases I've made in a very long time when it comes to wine. It's just not something I'm probably going to get every week. But I can see me getting it from time to time when the mood strikes me. It is hella good. Nice. There was one I was looking at today, if we're speaking uh, specifically about the look of the the bottle and the label. It was called Freak Show. And I'm like, this is a, a wine mm. I, sh- I should be drinking. But it was 18.99. I was like, mm. I, I don't know if I want to spend that much. Because, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a piker when it comes to wine. If it tastes yeah. good, it's great, you know. But this was the, – the label was very nicely done. And it's called Freak Show, which is right up my alley. I love, I love shopping by labels. Yeah, so maybe next time I'll, I'll, I'll get the Freak Show. For the most part, any, any wines that I've purchased that are around the $20, $18, $20 range have all been really good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you do get what you pay for. It is. I mean, there, there is a reason for certain things, but, um, yeah, I, I tend to just stick with what I like, and that tends to be a little on the cheaper side. But this was, um, I, I'm just really, it, it bums me out a little. Well, I was gonna say it pisses me off a little bit because if it wasn't good, I was like, all right, well, that just cost you twenty five bucks, and I have to deal with it again. But now that I do like it, I can see me spending that every so often. And I'm like, eh. yeah. There's special occasions. There's a reason why the Carlo Rossi big ass jug of of Cabernet is like fourteen <laughs> like bucks. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, live your best life. That's what that's, I'm saying. Live your best life as 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 he you know gets off the Peloton after eating you know nine hundred calories for the day. I saw right, him. I'm duck. living my, ex- I'm living, living my, I'm best, living my life. best life. Twelve hundred less. Listen, whatever your best life is, live it. Yeah, true. Well, sometimes it, there have been many times in my life and the times you've known me where my best life is, you know, in and out and then ice cream sundae and then 10 beers. Then there's sometimes like right now where my best life is 900 calories and 45 minutes with Robin Arzon. It's all good. It's all good. It is. Uh, for, those is of you, for those of you who don't know, uh, of course you don't know because you weren't there. We were testing out some video and uh, I swear I saw Jason Duck. In the recording of the video, I'm like, what? And then I saw what happened. Someone threw a molecule of um, carb a, at him? a carb. They threw a carb at him, and he ducked. Oh, so yeah. He, he, he didn't want to well, absorb a single carb. See, that joke would be funny most weeks, but I just told you I'm drinking wine, which is it's fucking – it's just liquid carbs. Good. Mr. Nasty, it's good. Feel so, shitty for doing so, though. <laughs> Live, come on. <laughs> why Why would you deny yourself the finer pleasures in life? Because I want to live to an old age. Having denied yourself the finer pleasures in life. That makes no, no fi- sense. Listen, we all know, well, I could list off the final pl- the finer, finer pleasures in life that I'm privy to. Uh, and I can, if it means giving up carbs, I'm all good. Okay. But it would never mean giving up comics. And that's why we've gathered here to talk about Very it. So true. let's just do this. Uh, I do not have any thank yous, just for the record. I thought you did. I don't. I thought you did because something came you, yesterday. You slacked okay. us today about it. I slacked. I mean, if you don't want to, if you don't want to, you know. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll shout out Tony for thank. I'll thank Tony. Oh yeah, but I thought okay, good. I thought we were just gonna give the shout out when the moment came okay. that we were all gonna gather oh, to talk uh, about. Oh yeah, I mean, no, yes, we are absolutely going to talk about it. But no, I do want to just shout out Tony. Thank, thank you very much. Um, and uh, that. I think was it. I do though, not 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 a thank you, but I, I want to get this, make sure it, I, I clear my plate now because I dropped the ball last time. But a uh, huge massive shout out to uh, patron Brian Newberry. Oh hell's yes, yes, joining that Slack club. Yep, that is the best. And guns blazing too, dropping like it's hot. And we're all statues. we're all pretty active now on the Slack, yeah, which if, is if, exactly if the you, way it was designed. That's true. I was going to say, if you folks, fine folks, would like to speak to us on the regular, even during our busy days at work, you can do that by going to 
patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. And on the right will be a list of different tiers. And there is a tier, I believe it is it the Illuminati tier. I believe it is, but it is the tier that you will see will allow you access to a private Slack group. And there are what maybe 20, 25 active members in there now, right? Give or take. Yeah. Including us. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's like a bat phone. It's a Vince it phone. Is. A Vince B phone. Yes, that's exactly what it is. I was doing a shoot today, and even at work, I'm, I'm checking the Slack just to see what – I mean, I may not respond, but I'm checking it, you know? So it's it's omnipresent. It's always there. I'm sorry, New Gods. New Gods is the tier New Gods, Slack. yes, that's right. It's very important, Vince, that you were checking it because then shortly thereafter you were wrecking it, so – Right. You always need to I see how check yourself before you wake yeah. yourself. Dap, you're backing me up, right? Always, oh, book. All right, cool. So, yes, thank you, Tony. And we will be talking about that book very soon, um, soon as, a.k.a. as soon as Dap reads it, so we can get down with it. After the book of the month. Yeah. That's a big-ass book which of the month. Which is next week. Which I it plan is. On, yes, which I plan on getting through this weekend. Um and uh, which sucks because the library let me know that uh, in my possession right now I have uh, the Freddy stories. So I have a lot of shit to read. And as a reminder, our book of the month was a gift from Mr. J. Mann to all of us. And that is Glenn Ganges in the river at night by Kevin Hazenga. Yep. Drawn and quarterly. Great looking book. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Eager to dive into that river. Maybe not at night, but. I will dive into it. Yeah. That's right. All right. Comics. What do we got? You want to talk about that big-ass elephant in the room? Dap, did you watch the first episode of Watchmen? Watched it right before I came upstairs. Oh, nice. It was was a – and that's pretty much why I've been quiet for the most part this week. Every night we have tried to to watch it, and um, every night this week until tonight, something has always prevented that from happening. So – we uh, got the dog walking out of the way, grabbed something for dinner, and came right home. And, Where'd you go to uh, dinner? We just grabbed. Um, she was in the mood for shrimp and broccoli. So we oh, just you didn't go some. to a no, no. Uh, stopped by there yesterday. The, not, not. We didn't go inside. It was just our girl was working, and, and she loves Onyx. So since I was walking by, she came out to. But um, no, so so we ordered food, brought it home, sat down, and. Uh, and yeah, fired it up, and it was um, riveting. I, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. I thought it was crazy because going in, I didn't really I, – I don't want to say I had high or low expectations. I didn't have any expectations. I mean, I saw the trailer and just buried it in the back of my mind somewhere like, yeah, okay, I guess when this thing is is, is on, I'll, I'll watch it. But it, there there was no pressing – overpowering desire for the the episode to come you know what i mean and mm-hmm. then i was extremely surprised not only at, at the visuals which i think were very very good for mm-hmm. for hbo like hbo does great stuff um from for me it hbo never got better than than carnival I that love, was fantastic i love that show That's even though it didn't end show. right holy shit yeah, no it didn't i i love it but I thought visually this thing was stunning, but the storyline, I mean, there's so many freaking Easter eggs in it. Yeah, yeah. The beginning is, did you guys notice the beginning with with the, the young young black child? 
Well, how could you not? It was, I mean, we watched the show. Episode, no, it's yeah. it's Black Superman. The the parents give him away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they they yeah. put him in this little enclosure. He wakes up in a in a field like it's was it yeah, was yeah, Black yeah. Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really smart to to do that. It was subtle. But I mean, if you're a comic fan, it, the the beats were the same. Like, Please take my son, uh, take him. You know what I mean? Uh, remove him from this calamity. And I was like, wow, this is a great start. And then when he walks through the floating letters, bam, mm. hit. Yeah, I mean, I'm even further for, from it than you in the sense that uh, you said you were kind of just ambivalent about it. I was actively not looking forward to it because when they announced it, I was very much in the oh hell no camp. Because I don't find much, if anything, redeeming from the film. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, we've had a million conversations on this show about our uh, our and other fandoms' tendency to hold certain things almost religiously holy and to the point where we don't want them messed with. And we all have our, our things that we do that with. We have other things that we don't do that with. I don't want to rehash all that. But, but – um, yeah, I, I just thought no, I don't I don't think I saw the preview and I thought wow, this is I thought gee, I thought uh Lindelof really changed Watchmen. Like this is going to be a debacle. And then I don't know why when I saw it I I didn't realize that it looked different because it was going to be different. And then once it was pointed out that it was going to be in the universe but a follow-up, I was more open to it, but I still was thinking there would be things that irked me. And I just like you both said, I, I just was absolutely mesmerized by it. I turned it on fully ready to hate watch it and was mesmerized until the end and just couldn't stop thinking about it for the next two days. I, I, I thought it was as good a first episode of a show as I've seen in a long time, if ever. I, I yeah. and, and again, I know we're sometimes prone to hyperbole and 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 I'm I'm fully aware that two episodes from now we could say oh it went off the rails i'm not suggesting that uh that this is going to be one of the greatest shows of all time it's been one episode but you got to you got to hit you got to you got to win me over with the first episode to get me to come back for the next and and they certainly did that yeah yeah and lindelof didn't change anything well that's the th- that's one of the most impressive things i think is that yeah. um the care that he's put into this is uh, almost impossible to believe. Now we we knew Lindelof is a hardcore comic nerd, so that's cool. I, so I, I, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that he still wouldn't want to take liberties because he's a creative person. Um, but yes, as you just alluded, the thing about this show for those of you that haven't watched it or maybe skeptical, the way it works is every single word and panel from the original Watchmen series by Warren Gibbons is canon per Lindelof's uh, own words in, in his show. Everything that happened in those comics happened exactly that way that we read them in the comics and informed the show, which takes place in modern times. So roughly 30, what, 25, 30 years later. Um, but I love, I love that idea. Yeah. So it's, it, that's just amazing. And, and then needless to say, the movie does not, the movie is an alternate universe that, that, that the movie has nothing to do with, with the TV show. So um, I, I loved it. I, and I, I just thought that um, I, I'm trying, I haven't gotten Beth to watch it yet. I, I very much want her to because she hasn't read Watchmen. And I, 
or seen the Watchmen movie, I don't think, unless I maybe maybe she saw it. I can't remember. But point being, I really am curious to get the thoughts of people that have no um, history with the comic, because I thought one of the more interesting components of this was that there are not just Easter eggs, but but major scenes that could be construed as extremely confusing or nonsensical if you haven't read the comics. Most notably, when they all pull over because it starts raining squid. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think we all agree that that's a just a wonky and 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 what the fuck moment. And we get why it happened, but would a person that didn't read the comic, they might just be like, wow, what a fucking strange show. Like it's raining squid. Yeah. But, but I love it. I love, I love that he didn't force feed everybody some kind of cockamamie, um, narratization as it was happening. Right. Yeah. Like I would have hated if Regina King, as she was pulling over her car was like, I hate that it rains squid ever since the event when the giants, you know, I would have hated that. Right. Well, they do, they didn't explain it in the scene. But they did explain it later. Um, well, I, it, I think it, it was a news broadcast or something like right, like transdimensional. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah but I mean, beautiful. it just makes good sense for Lindelof to not discount the greatest by some by a lot of people's estimation. My, the, the, too. the greatest twelve issue comic series of oh, all, yeah. of all time. So mm-hmm. in in doing in in making it beholden to the story, he's negating the outcry of the teeming fandom, right? So now they, in, in, at least in that category, they have nothing about with to, to bitch because he says, okay, all this is still canon. This is still gold. It, it's yours. And this is the story we are basing um, our tale now upon. That's, that's smart because it's like, okay, I'm absolved. Now I can start telling these new stories that are, you know, what for for good or ill, however they 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 pan out. He doesn't have that rabid segment of of fandom, you know, nipping at his ass because he changed something. Like the comedian is not a tap dancer and a and a, and a transvestite. You know what I mean? Like just adding right. stupid shit just for the sake of of changing it. But there is a nod in it to Zack Snyder's movie because. The, the, um, the centurion helmet in the background of um, where, when Veet was talking to his two, I'm assuming they're, they're androids or robots. And yeah, I'm sure they're not human, right? In the, in the, but he lets them do like whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I would do the same thing anyway, just for the record. But it, I mean, in the background, there's the, the Roman centurion helmet on, on the piece of furniture. So it, that was a nice little nod saying, yeah, Zach, thanks you know for making that movie. And you made 300, so we're just going to tip our hat to you, I guess. Right. I guess. No, I thought it was astounding. Uh, so good. Um, I love Regina King. Mm-hmm. So ever since um, Daddy Daycare. like, And she's got herself in shape. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I think she's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the fight scenes were well choreographed. Uh, is that a... A bit of praise, like I believed the fight scenes. So whoever was doing the, the choreography for the fight scenes, they did a good job. And Virginia did. A, I don't know if it was a double. It didn't look like it was a double to me. So mm-hmm. you know, if whoever it is, and if it was Regina, I think the fight scenes were really well done. Um, but I I hate the seventh cavalry already. 
you know, and I'm I'm glad. I was very happy to see the owl ship. Archie, yes, w- was cool. Uh, complete with the flamethrower, the coitus flamethrower that we saw in, mm-hmm. in the original. Uh, no, I just I think it was a win. There's really nothing. I can't say anything derogatory about it. It looked great. The story was compelling. Don Johnson was great. He was absolutely yeah. was. But I, I I think there's something amiss with um, uh, Judd C- uh, Crawford. Was it? Yeah, I think there's there's something very um, untold about his past. I don't think that he was as uh, squeaky clean as they portrayed him in the first episode. I think sure. we're, as the series pans out, we're going to see that um, Mr. Crawford was, mm, I'm guessing, not a good guy. Could yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. I, um, you know the part when he was dancing around the table singing the song from Oklahoma? I'm mm-hmm. thinking somebody's going to get shot. Somebody's outside. Somebody's going to get a bullet oh. right in their forehead. When is it? And, and I, I tensed up that whole scene thinking, yeah. when is it coming? And it never came. Yeah. During during that scene, um, my wife was worried that uh, things probably aren't going to. She's like, she didn't think she she thought things weren't going to go well for him. And then um, before he gets in the truck, she's like, I I don't think he's going to make it out of the episode. And um, I. I might be able to answer Jason's question later on because uh, before Sunday, um, last week, my aunt sent me an email asking if um, I think Watchmen would be something that she'd want to watch because she loves Regina King, and mm-hmm. uh, and she's never read the book. So um, I told her where I, I says just be prepared that it's probably going to be somewhat bleak, but um, but yeah, I'm like I I, I think you'll I, I think to be able to pretty much tell from the first episode, but I, I, I think you, you'll find things in there to like. And, um, and the same thing with my wife, she never read the original series. And, um, even though I've kind of gone in on her with the whole, um, publishing issue, but, um, she, she was hoping early on, in the episode, she was hoping that it would start making sense soon, and and it kind of did. And then and and then she was like, she was perplexed by the squid. Um, but once, uh, once you know, she absolutely loved the costume. She's going to make Sister Knight's coat for herself. She, um, uh, Pirate Jenny, she loved her uh, her mask. I was a big fan of Looking Glass, but. Uh, yeah, I, we, we, she, so at least one person who hasn't read it is definitely in for the show because, because we both, it ended and, and I was like, that was good. She's like, that was good. And, and so we'll be back next Sunday. But, uh, I, I rewound it because I, I, I heard it. I heard the blood fall and I wanted to see, uh, right exactly where it landed on the badge. And I was like, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Well, the eggs too. There was a bloody egg. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes. You yep. flipped it, but you turned the bowl around, and, and, and then, even yeah, and then of even the young the man table. in the beginning had a, a a cut on his forehead in the the spot where the blood splatter would be. I mean, that's another thing. the 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 Watchman badge motif 
was scattered throughout this entire episode. Even the 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 downward view at the dinner table with the yes. ceiling light, like everything. Yep. Uh, that's the way to do it because the the motif is is repeated ad nauseum in the original. So why not pick up the reins and and run with them? I th- <laughs> I'm staggered at just how amazing the first episode was. I know. And, I mean, they they set the they set the show in Tulsa of all places too, yeah. which is. <laughs> A fascinating choice, and they start the show with what I'm sure a lot of people watching thought was a totally made up event, which, but in fact, is not a made up event. No, unfortunately, is, not. I know, but I'm saying I think that a lot of people just thought it, you know, was part of the narrative of the show. And fortunately, uh, for, for those that don't want to talk about it, the show opens up, as Vince said, the a young boy is, is basically supermaned by his parents because he's in a movie theater watching a film when. They come in to get him because uh, they're in the middle of the, the Tulsa massacre, which happened in the 20s, when a bunch of uh, of white white supremacists uh, gunned down um, 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 and just an insane number of, of, of African-American uh, people that were living in Tulsa at the time in a black part of the town. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, middle class for the time, African-American. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. and it has the dubious honor of being the first uh Tulsa's that was the first time a American city was ever bombed. So, because wow. they were flying planes and bombing people yeah. from above. But yeah, um, and then I saw Lindelof after the show talked about how he just felt that to do it to to do to treat the source material properly, he didn't see how he could make a show in that universe today that wouldn't be in some way uh, tied into race. He just didn't think it's it's too hot, too important and hot button of an issue in today's society to to not let it be a part of the show because of how Watchmen was so much a product of its time and the social issues that were at play then. So, yeah, as soon as they when when at the beginning during during the uh, the massacre and and they have. Um, you get a flash of a newspaper headline and Ed Lynch is, is right there. And I was just like, Hey, that of all the weeks for that to, that to pop up. But it, um, it was, yeah, it, it's, it, the purposely, it, it, there are parts of it that are uncomfortable, but it, it's, it's to, it's all, it's all deliberate. Nothing is there just to be, Oh my God, I'm, I'm trying to shock the hell out of you. It's, it, it, it all serves a purpose and, and it's, is telling a story and you have um when um i even rewound at the scene with with, with the eggs when during career day and and uh, you see the four most important presidents and and of course nixon who was um president during the original series and then ford was apparently president after nixon and then um and then president robert redford so um, and then that was interesting with the whole, you know, um, Redfordations and, and it was, it, I, I like that. Like, like you guys have already said, it's, it's nothing was, there was no major handholding. You weren't, nothing was, was, was dumbed down. There was no narrator trying to explain to you anything because, you know, this is a different world. You're, we're all thrown in at the same time and we're all following along and, and, uh, it's. It's not it, – it'll, it'll reward you for paying attention, and, and I sincerely appreciate that. Well, I think the viewer should carry some of the weight 
um, spoon-fed shows are, are never entertaining, at least not to me. Uh, when everything is explained to you and it's all cut and dry and right. there's, there's no um, mulling issues after the fact. And it, it's it, that's like fast food to me. Right. Whereas, you know, give me something I can sink my teeth into for days. And that's what this was. Um, and, and, and I'm I'm certain the next war we experience in this country is going to be a civil one. I mean, there. I think the the it, it, the way it's going now, it, it's it, the the pot is simmering, and pretty soon it's going to boil over. And I, I think good for them. They're they're the you know they're going to get what they got coming to them. But be that as it may, um, I, I think this, he says from his palatial estate. No, I think <laughs> I know what side I'll be fighting on. But I mean, I I think this. Um, the the at the core of of Watchmen is are, are issues of race, and it's very important to to extrapolate and work those out and see what happens and talk about them, because um, I, as soon as you start thinking you're better than anybody else, we got problems, you know. Definitely, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And and it's just I I think Lindelof is is very prescient in in doing so, and and deserves accolades too. Let's let's talk about this stuff. Let's let's work it out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, more power to you. Make some some riveting entertainment at the at the base level, but let's make some art that that really gets people talking and 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 um, thinking. Hopefully, I agree. Yeah, and I would just say to those of you holding out because you're Watchmen purists and you just don't. Want to mess with it? You know, you did. You weren't into the before Watchmen. You weren't into the movie, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, probably not going to convince you one way or the other. But if 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 our opinions do hold water, give this a try. In the sense that I don't, I, I honestly don't think this is going to offend, um, because it's not trying to reinvent or capitalize on what came before. It's it's it 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 definitely comes off as him trying to pay it the greatest honor possible. So yeah, yeah, it was it was wonderful. Yep. Yeah. I want to talk about another little piece of current events in the oh, com- in the comic book realm. Let's do it. And it it has to do with our man Howie Chaikin. Okay. Chaikin um, went off recently. A well written rant, but it was a rant nonetheless. Um, the gist of which was he was approached by um, a convention who wanted, in his words, who wanted him for his past efforts, which I'm guessing was Star Wars, because he yes. said, I drew that so long ago. And, yes, and it's, that, it's a franchise that went on to make billions of dollars, yeah, yes, Star Wars. Yes, it was Star Wars. Um, and the, 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 the Chewy Center was, don't hire me for what I did or what I was or, or my past glories. Hire me for what I'm doing now to celebrate my work in the present. And one of the things he said was F nostalgia. <laughs> and I don't know. I think, I mean, I love Howard Chaikin, but I think he's really off base with this one that, and, and he had a lot of other comics professionals fly the flag. Like, yeah, you know, like, like 
take hire me for for my present work and i don't want to talk about the old stuff and there it was a a passage where yeah inevitably at every convention i sit down and people come up to my table and they have a stack of my old books and they're like yeah i love this stuff this is great can you sign them and the person who made the comment said yes i'm glad you enjoyed that but i also have a bunch of other new books here which you can peruse and hopefully buy they didn't say that but you know that's the the idea and the person uh the fan went right back to the old stuff and said well yeah let's take talk about this old stuff and and the person took issue with that and i gotta i gotta call foul on that you know that the fact that you have this fan who enjoyed your work back in the day it's like a a slow release bomb okay this person never got to interact with you kept buying your work supposedly from their comments and now walks up to you with your old work the stuff that ignited their their passion for your work and and that's all they want to talk about and and you're finding fault with this this person paid your bills back then and now wants a little bit of something something for you know for doing so so it wasn't instant gratification back then but now your comeuppance is due and these people that bought your work in the past now want to talk about that work i don't think these guys should be finding fault with that especially shaken do you guys feel similarly uh, um i don't uh i mean i'm not like i'm not looking to pick a fight with you in this i understand your what the way you're describing it i i, I guess i didn't take it this i didn't take his post the same way you seem to be taking it well, he said "f nostalgia." He he did, but it's in the context of a of a I think a different vein, which is that he's addressing he's addressing the the con promoters, and and that the con promoters are opting to pimp his Star Wars work, which he finds to be incredibly insulting because he considers it to be work that he did when he wasn't even anywhere close to the creator he had become and then has, has since done. Right. And then he goes on to say, I, I, but I mean, I, I, I think it's, first of all, I think it's, um, it's funny that this is being, I mean, this all happened in January. I don't know why this like, yeah, yeah it just came up. I don't post it. Yeah. I'm yeah, not sure why this today. all got brought up. I mean, he, he posted this on Facebook in January, but, um, but yes, it seems to be making the rounds right now. I'm not sure what, what was the, what set it off or why it got unearthed, but, um, no, I, 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 I fully understand why he feels that way though. I mean I I I it's it's like the person that's president of of his senior class in high school and, and then ends up working at a Bennigan's for the rest of his life. Like I like I, I that you don't want to be the man's lived a full life. He's over seventy years old, is he not? So he, yeah, I, I don't. I understand his point. Like it, it's got to be frustrating when people seemingly only want to act like your your best times were thirty, forty years ago. Sure, but from a promotion standpoint, the person that is in charge of getting people through the door wants to bring in an artist who has worked on Star Wars. Not only worked on Star Wars, but worked on the very first Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Is that not a smart move? Like if 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 you're if it's but your he, job, he even to get... says in the post though, like I will continue to 
it's your right to promote however you want. I, and if if I attend your con, I'll be a gracious guest as I always have. And if you want to bring up these comics and have me sign them, I will do so with a smile on my face. And I will. So he's. I think he's saying like it's it's internally it eats him up. He wishes it wasn't the case, but he's not going to be a dick. He's not going right. to. Well, sure. He's not going to treat people in, uh, like a, he's not going to. If you show up with your Star Wars comics, he's not going to make you feel like a jerk. Right, but, but he just. The thing I mean, is, this is his personal Facebook. Sure, right? he sure. Wants, he, and wants, I, and, he wants to be known for more than that. Right, that's great. And, and um, don't, he's so not, don't and we he's, all? Right, but he's not. He's he's not. He even says he's like. Listen, he says he says with at at a convention. He is. He's he's the um, the convention is his client, and and the attendees are the client's customers. So he he's writing this basically. To the convention organizers, he's not saying this to the fans coming up with their books. He he just he wants he wants the con organizers to know, hey, that's great, you got me standing up here with with Walt Simonson and 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 now you know John Cassidy and 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 LaRogue and everybody who's working on Star Wars, you know, and I'm all up here with the Star Wars people. But that was that was a blink, that was a blip, many many moons ago, and after my handful of pages were done, that was it. I moved on, didn't have anything else to do with it. And and hey, by the way, here's American flag. Here's you know. So I I can understand since he's been doing this for a while, the sense of frustration. He's he just it's there's more to him than that. But he's not going to say yeah I don't I'm not there for that anymore. It's not like he's Liam Neeson going you know I'm never going to do a Star Wars convention because I was in a movie. This is he sure. recognizes that he's he's a part of it and it's part of him. But there's there's more to him than that. So he wasn't I didn't. I didn't take it as 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 an. I mean, I, I well, do agree with you, Vince. Where you know the whole fuck nostalgia thing, because that's... yeah, well, that was the whole that was the crux of the argument. You know, f nostalgia. Either from the promoter standpoint, I mean, you're only as as desirable as your your biggest hit, right? Walt Simonson is always going to be the guy that knocked us on our ass with Thor. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Like Fantastic Four was great, and 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 all the stuff that that Walt has done was phenomenal but walt is always going to be known as that awesome thor run and how long ago was that right we we still genuflect at the altar of walt simonson because of thor and everything else but it's because of thor that we do it right we can say manhunter which was great but mm-hmm. come on seriously does manhunter even compare to thor walt is super proud of his thor run Right, but uh, Shaken get... is clearly not. A, he he he. As he said many in many ways in this, he views his Star Wars work as early in a fifty-year career and not good. Like oh not, yeah, the, I the, get the, it. So but right. So, I... so so I I mean I think it's I don't think it's like Walt didn't write this post and I presume he wouldn't because he doesn't mind having everyone genuflect over sure Thor because he loves Thor and what it meant. But but that's Shaken's point. Like I'm sure he. When he says "fuck nostalgia," he he's not going to be mad at you if you roll up with with uh, one of his one of his better works and said you know that came out thirty years ago. That that's not sure. what he's saying. He's not. He's just saying, "Don't applaud my past efforts." I'm I'm that and more. I get it, but to to just throw a, a rock through the nostalgia window, th- the whole industry is built on nostalgia, uh, at least as far as the print medium or the digital slash print medium it's just it's all nostalgia the the majority of the people that are buying the books are our age who lived back then and enjoyed the stuff back then and now we want more of it you know i just i just think it's kind of foolhardy to say that he could have done it in another way 
without saying like screw you and this 30 and this 50 year old thing or whatever however many years well started, started again though since. i guess it's it's howard shaken right this yeah. is on brand i mean this is a guy that just put a comic out two years ago where he had women put uh, bombs in their in their sure vaginas and blew themselves up uh, t- but t- let's t- be t- honest how many people read that but that's his point right that's exactly his point well you can't make people read your stuff you know, Star Wars is is one of the most visible, most popular brands in the in the on the planet. But I really get it because if you were to tell me, describe Howard Chaykin, I, I Star Wars, I don't Mm-mm. like that. Has nothing to do. No, with I it wouldn't say it either. Yeah, so no. I, I get it. Like I, I and, and also remember the context was specifically he turned down going to San Diego because he was tired of San Diego putting him out to be a Star Wars artist. Right. Right. So I mean, I. I don't know, man. Like, I just—I'm not I, salty. I just thought it no, was. No, I, I, I th- well, because I, I, I mean, there's one line that says, "With all due respect, fuck nostalgia." But, but again, I think it's in context. Like, I think that's one of those times where you take the pull quote and you splash it around, and it sounds a lot worse than it is. I, I, I don't think because the rest of his context is talking about his 50 year career. So he's—he's he's certainly the dude is 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 not is not um, on on appreciative or unwilling to regale you hell we've talked to him at cons about his 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 old stuff no i love i think i think it's just this it's like this was a trigger he got triggered yeah sure sure and but um, i mean did you read the comments though there was there's a lot there was a good number of like-aged professionals who are in the same position as howard who have like their best work is is behind them and they're like, yeah, yeah, f nostalgia. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a, as a creative. Well, I mean, you're, you're a creator. Like, would right. you hate if you had like a, a uh, you know, a, a hit song if you were a musician? Like, if Zappa had like one top ten song, he does. You, uh, okay, I, well, I'm not. Just you get the point. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, Valley Girl. He does. Or I'm saying right, and then that was all the world remembers. Sure, before. and he hated it. And I yeah. I completely understand I mean, I'm a, that, but I, I, I'm not a Zappa fan, so, but so I'm just, that's why I'm just grasping at that. But like I'm, as you know, I'm a Boston's fan. But like they had that one hit, you know, mm-hmm. Knock on Wood, that's you know, like, yeah. It's and it's all like whenever someone, whenever you bring up the Boston's, the uh, impression, you know, yeah. impression I get, right? Yeah, yeah. And people are always like, oh, the impression I get, like, and they view them as they view them as a one hit wonder. I mean, yeah. as someone who's seen them in concert a dozen times in their life, like that's one, that's their worst album, and it's one of their worst songs, right? Right, but. But like, I don't know if it bothers Dickie and his crew that that's what they're known for. Probably, no, probably does though, right? Like, say Dickie does. again. Say Dickie. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? I, I, my right. point is, is just that that like, I, I get. I mean, Chaykin has put thousands of pages out, yeah. right? And and let's be honest, a, a lot of his stuff in the last few years hasn't been a commercial success. But we and, still love him, and, and he's clearly been doing it for himself. That these are just, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. He, he's he's his biggest fan. In so, this so while we're case. on the subject, what mm-hmm. do you think is the pinnacle of Howard Shaken? American flag. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I want to agree, but I think. Um, hmm. <laughs> See, I mean, if you got a hymn, yeah, there, no, I, mean, I would my go with American favorite flag. Black Kiss, but that's. Yeah, right. right. But that's but that's like that 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 goes back to to Walt and and Thor and Manhunter analogy. Right. It's right. like you know, yeah, we love. I love Manhunter. I mean, I would love to own that artist edition. But you know, but if I think of if I think of Walt, I think of Thor. There's no escaping it. Yeah, 
I like I said, American Flag is 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 close to my heart. But I really lo- visually, I don't think Hard was ever better than Stars My Destination. Just because there was ten thousand panels per page, <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 a visual tour de force. He never got as visually complex. I mean, there's also was it Iron Wolf? What? The, the, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. There's a lot um, that I. I mean, I, I adore from him. Yeah. But but there was a subtitle. There was a. Uh, it was strange, sorcery or sor. Uh, yeah, it was sword and sorcery or something. Iron Wolf. It wasn't just Iron right. Wolf. Yeah. Right. But no, it was. I I think I I, I enjoy all of his work and yeah. Below the belt, I like Black Kiss too, a real lot. But I mean, uh, aesthetically, I think Stars My Destination was his best mm-hmm. work ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just thought it was kind of kind of weird, kind of faux hostile on his part. Well, I get that. Well, yeah. I don't think it was faux hostile. I think it was legit this, hostile. This, uh, how he's pissed, and he but how pissed. how how hostile can you be when you say, "Hey, I'm pissed, but I'm still going to," you know. You well, know, because he's still a professional. He sure, still knows that. Sure, I mean, then it's not really make, hostile. If, if you were to make a living. Right. right. If you were 100%. So he's not going to go to San Diego for the Star Wars thing, but he's still going to go to other kinds. He's still going to be, you know, he's still Right, to, and he's going to be approached for Star Wars. Sure. He's going to still be approached for the old stuff. So right. It's, right. It's, it's, it's hostile, but not really. In, since, since this has turned into a current events uh, episode, I have to say I have been fascinated by the psychology behind the seeming outcropping of non superhero movie directors coming forward to say <laughs> that they think superhero movies are drivel. And what I mean by fascinated by the whole thing, it's that it's so endemic of Actually. the culture we live in now, because you have these specifically for, I I'm assuming all of our listeners know what I'm talking about, but specifically um, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola have both, uh, separately from one another said recently that they, and I'm paraphrasing because they had very much more detailed viewpoints, but basically saying they think the Marvel universe, not well, Marvel movies and superhero movies are dreck yeah. that they're, they're not art. They're, they're, they're bad for, for, for cinema, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm not, if, if you agree with them or disagree with them, you, more power to you. I, I'm not, I'm not taking you to task. It's your right to feel as you feel. But my stance was, well, I'm not really sure why you should be surprised. And and number one and number two, I'm not sure why you should care. I mean, meaning like you like it seemed like people were so upset that they said these things. And then it seemed like other people were upset that other people were were, were clapping back. And I don't understand either side of that, because uh, like, what does it matter if someone that you don't know personally, what did what they think of something? And I, I say that with the irony of realizing that thousands of people are listening to us talk about things and give our opinions on them, but, but that's not going to preclude them presumably from liking or disliking something on their own. Um, maybe we serve as a tastemaker to an extent, but I don't think Lord many knows people, we have people telling us we're wrong when we don't well, like. Right, I, I don't think many people are going to go st- go to start seeing or not see these movies because Coppola or Scorsese said they're worth or not worth yeah. seeing. But I just found it fascinating that I saw a lot of people getting really angry at them, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then I saw a, another group of people getting angry at those that criticized Scorsese and Coppola for their views. And I like well. It's kind of what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Like if you're going to make it news, if you're going to splash websites and Facebook groups with their opinions, 
you by definition are inviting people to offer a counter opinion. Why else post it? Like right. why bring it to someone's attention if you don't want them to react to it? Exactly. Right? By so I, my point is, is like, just don't like, I'm not offended that they think it. Why should I be offended? I didn't make those movies. Like I didn't make them. I enjoyed most of them. I don't enjoy them all. I enjoy most of them. I, I think, but I also think it's not too hard to psychoanalyze and say, well, they're two older men who, the industry, at least in some way, has passed them by, commercially speaking, just commercially speaking. Yeah. And that's – I probably would feel that way too if I were them. But similarly, when they were the auteurs of the moment and coming up, there were droves of older uh, studio system filmmakers, I'm sure, that had an issue with the way they were mavericks and did things differently and made these maverick movies, right? So it's like – it's just another example of as we get older, we take issue with young people shit. That's what we do. It's I, just human nature. I do it too. We yeah, all do it. Like, I think you're just a, a little, little bit left of the bullseye on this. A tiny Speak bit. On it. Speak it's, on it. it's it's the nature of fandom. The, oh no, you're right. Yeah, right. No, it's I'm, it's yeah. think the way we think, like the stuff we like. Right. Uh, buy the things we buy. And if you don't, and the magnitude of this kind of thinking increases with the belovedness of the target. Like, if, if this was, um, you know, Scorsese came out and said, you know, Lucas's Howard the Duck is a shit movie. People would be like, eh, I kind of like it, but you know, you're, you're right. <laughs> but, but if, if they're talking about Avengers, which are billion dollar movies and a lot of people love them and rightly so, they are good entertainment. I'm in the Scorsese camp. I don't really think they're good films, but I mean, that's, a, that's a little wiggle bit that you can, the, if, if I enjoyed them, are they not good films? And yes, they are good films because you enjoyed them. But aesthetically, I really don't think they're great films. And I understand where Scorsese and Coppola are coming from. They are nowhere near visually as appealing as their films. That's a given, right? They're nowhere near as complex. They're, whatever. The cinema, I don't want to get into it. What I'm saying is the more beloved the property, the more fervent the reaction to negative comments. Like, um, right. like just like Watchmen. If someone says, you know, if an author comes out and says, Washman's a piece of shit, I can write a book or I have written a book 10 times better than that. People would lose their friggin' minds because it's this, it's, it's the, the source material has been elevated to a point where it's mm -hmm. almost untouchable. That's what fandom does with these Marvel Cinematic Universe. Made a lot of money, pleased a lot of people. If you don't like them, there's obviously something wrong with you. Like, how could you come out and say these movies aren't good? You, you're weird. You, you don't walk like we do or talk like we do. Therefore, we must attack you. That's, that's been fandom for years and years and years. It, it, comic fandom, if you don't like or if you rail against the current uh, cause for celebration, you're wrong. Something's wrong with you, and we're going to attack you any way we can. And that goes in anything. It's like politics. You know, if, if you're not walking in step with the current... Um, whatever the beloved people in politics then wow there's really something amiss with the way you think so i i i wasn't surprised at all like yourself i i thought okay this is a bunch of butthurt fanboys somebody of note came out and said that the things that they love really aren't that great 
and now they're they're upset. So we're going to find a way to to retaliate. That's all it was. Yeah, and, but you and, see it every day. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd also say, like with all things in in today's day and age, people say something or write something, and then it gets pulled or massaged, sent out into the ether, and then people react to that to that interpretation, right, or to someone else's reaction. Because I admit, when I first heard of Scorsese's comment, which is the one that's going around is that he said they're not cinema. And I think patently speaking, that's fa a false statement. That is false. It is. They obviously are cinema. Uh, exactly. That, that's, so, so I thought, oh, that's, and I was surprised. Well, that's kind of fucked up. Like, especially because again, from a professional courtesy standpoint, uh, there have been a lot of directors involved with these films, not the least of which several very accomplished. I mean, Kenneth Branagh is more known for doing Shakespearean movies than he, right? Yeah. You know? So I thought that's, that's kind of fucked up. But then I read the comment and I thought, well, it comes across to me like what an older gentleman who's, who's lost sense of the now would say. And he said, I don't see them, meaning he doesn't watch them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well as made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional psychological experiences to another human being now you hear the whole statement and you're like oh okay i mean i'm not even sure i disagree with them no I'm i don't either sure, i'm not sure these films are meant to convey emotional psychological experiences to another human being and i'll get back to comics just like you were but you know you bust on me lately for being into the slice of life comics and whatnot but to your point i mean they're very different experiences right like when i'm reading an adrian tomine book i'm not expecting what I'm going to expect when I'm opening up Jason Aaron's Avengers. They're different experiences entirely. They're both comics and I like them both, but they're uh, trying to convey completely different feelings for the reader um, as such, you know? So I, I hear his whole statement and I think, okay, I like, of course. And then I think, of course, like if you're at all familiar with Martin Scorsese's filmography, he doesn't make films at all. Like, like, the Marvel films, uh, no. they're nothing at all. And by the way, I will say this, I, I, the, this all happening prompted me to, to go back and look. I, I genuinely think there's not a filmmaker ever that I have appreciated their collective careers more than Scorsese. Like his list of films are almost all of them are films. I hold out to be great films that I would happily or have happily rewatched many times. Sure. Same. Yeah. So, taxi so taxi drivers, a masterpiece. The, oh, the, but it, I mean, that's, I mean, but I'm saying like Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, right? Color of Money, Good. I mean, Goodfellas is arguably, I mean, the best film. It's probably one of the films I've watched the most ever, right? I mean, Casino, Gangs of New York. I mean, so go on from there. But, but, um, so yeah, now do, do I think it's, do I think a part of it is, is sour grapes? Yeah, I do. I mean, sure. Um, as has been pointed out, and this is a travesty to me. Scorsese's entire career, so the entirety of all of these amazing films he's made, have grossed $1.9 billion. So one Marvel film has generated more revenue than his entire career. So I, I can see him feeling some kind of way about that. Like, I get it. I yes. probably would be too. Like, if I was, I'm sure Howard Chaikin probably looks at his career and thinks, you know, Kirkman puts out a zombie book and he makes 500 times more than I've ever made, right? right? Like, it's, it, I get it. But like in, that's in, human nature. In reply to that, 
I don't think Bergman, his entire ovoi, made anywhere near as much as Scorsese. Of course not. Right. So, no, if, no. I mean, it's all in the way it, – it's, it's all in the audience to which you are appealing. Bergman was nowhere near the theme park mentality, right? Who went to see his films? They're great movies. They, they are some of the best movies ever created, the best cinema ever devised, right? Right. And yet nobody went to see them. Well, that's because they don't appeal to the common man. Or the everyman, the 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 Marvel movies appeal to you know your but your mailman Tony, uh, the 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 checkout lady down at the street. Like when you appeal to a segment of the population that's very 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 large, I don't see how you can rail against the filmmakers for their success. It, it's just okay. That's the the that is the audience to which you chose to appeal. Scorsese appeals tried to appeal to a different audience like he tried to do it with a little bit of uh panache and a little bit of uh, he was like you said he was the maverick so he did it a little bit differently and he he managed to catch on but it it's all in the the segment of the population that that's resonating with your movies the marvel movies are for the average everyday dude and and do that so it there's no wonder that these things are generating billions of dollars I, I just don't – I don't understand – yeah, the fact that he said they're not cinema is just untrue. They are cinema. They're just not the kind of cinema that he wants to see and or make. Sure. So therefore – And I think that probably would should have been the way he couched it. Right. If he right. could go back and say it, I think they're not – if he had said something like, those films aren't for me, you know, that that's not the kind right. of film that's that what I, we do all I've the aspired time. to make. And I think people would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, well, totally. Like, I get it. Yeah. Um, I also have seen this narrative like, well, he makes art and these film, the movie, Marvel movies aren't art. And I struggle with that because, yeah. again, to your point, Bergman's an excellent example. Like, let, it's a sliding scale here. Let's not pretend Scorsese doesn't have aspirations to make money. Sure. Right? If if he was doing it for the sake of it, he would just make films and never release them. Right? Like, he has taken on a 50-year career of studio filming with budgets and directors, I mean, and executive producers and actors and marketing trips and wide release. So I'm not suggesting that he has ever made a film just to make a dollar, but this is a man who has certainly aspired and been successful at becoming very wealthy making films. So, and, and I look back, I don't, I don't think, um, it's easy to say now, with Avengers doing what it did and, and having multi $2 billion films under the wraps. But when Robert Downey agreed to do Iron Man, like people thought he was nuts. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't do that saying, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for the bag. I'm doing it because I'm going to get filthy rich. He didn't know that was going to happen. I mean, no. Mar Marvel studios, when they were, before they were bought by Disney, there were a lot of people in my world, wall street, they were convinced that they were going to go bankrupt because they decided to finance their own films and people thought that was asinine because there was going to be a flop. And as soon as they had a flop, they were going to be unable to meet their debts and that they were going to be in trouble financially. So we can all look back now because it's been the most successful commercial film studio in history and, and say, Oh, it's just a big commercial enterprise. It wasn't like that. It was as risky as any other film for a long time. Right. And they banking on took Robert seven or eight films before, they became riskless to the point sure. where they were so well-funded that nobody had to worry that they were going to have an issue. But banking on Robert Downey Jr. was a very, very sticky 
proposition mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. was not – I mean, at one time, he was very celebrated for his efforts. But then he fell on hard times with all oh, the yes. you know the substances and, and whatever. And so they took a big risk. But he would not be the draw he is now were it not for Iron Man. I no, mean, yeah, I love him in um, um, Natural Born Killers. But yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, I think he's he's a very talented actor. But he he stepped in shit big time with the Marvel movies. But it could have gone south just as easily. Iron Man could have been a flop, and then we would have had nothing. Right. Yeah, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. So no, I just just do, just do you, man. Like that's it's what just, I say, right? It's just funny to me that 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 people get so worked up about both sides of it. Like they're entitled to their opinion. And I think it's totally reasonable to my, my view is the reasonable stance is to say both Scorsese and Coppola are among the best filmmakers of all time. Sure. And they're also entitled to their opinion. And it's totally okay if I don't agree with their opinion, but and it's totally okay for me to say, I'm not surprised that their opinions are what they are given the type of films they've made and that they're older dudes. Like, like old people don't like new shit. Like that's not really a controversial statement. <laughs> like they don't get it right. Like my dad, who I love to death, and we're great as much friends as father son, and he's one of my favorite people on earth. Like he doesn't get rap. He just doesn't get it. Uh, I, underst- I understand with uh, you, the no, senior right, wood. I'm saying, like he loves music. He he plays music and sings all the time. He for him rap is not music. I mean, I, I, am I gonna be mad at him for that? No, I laugh. I mean, he's not. It's just life. It's fine, right? I right. I don't get TikTok. I, I, no, I that's so I weird, it, right? It seems silly to me. My son, my, yeah, I don't get it. There's just people dancing. It's just fine. It's weird. Billion dollar valuation. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to go out and but say I, kids that use TikTok are idiots. Like that doesn't. I think it's it's the unspoken or the perceived unspoken trailer that is. On the initial comments, like, yes, these aren't cinema. Well, people who do like them and do consider them cinema, in fandom anyway, I I can't speak for the GP, the general population, I don't know how they think. But Mm -hmm. in, in, in fandom, if someone says, this movie's shit, well, they must be commenting on me or my tastes because I think this film is great. So therefore, these people aren't really saying this film is garbage. They're saying my tastes are are poop, and right. what I like is garbage. So this is a this is a an affront to me because I love this, and that's not what they're saying at all. It's just people need to pull themselves. They need to take that ego and throw it in the backyard because this is not about you. This is Scorsese saying these films are not art. They're not saying Tony down the street, you are dumb for liking these movies, and your taste is in question. That's not said at all, but that's how people perceive it, right? Mm-hmm. And I see this all the time. We see it every day. This, uh, did you like this issue? Nah, I thought it was garbage. What do you mean? What? You, um, I, I don't have taste. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. I just thought it was crap. But the fact that you like it, you go do you go have a good time, read this stuff. I'm, I'm sure there are tons and tons of people that think the stuff that we like is 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 toilet paper. So, you know, it's it's all in the it's not a component of the comment that we are automatically saying that if you don't like this then you are in error and your taste is is at fault. That's right. not and I but think people that's perceive where some people that. probably um default to in the sense that 
I would imagine quite a few people that love superhero movies also love Scorsese and Coppola films, yeah. myself included. I assume you two too. I, I mean, I, I, I can't wait to see The Irishman, right? I mean, I like, I like, I don't think they're they should they're not mutually exclusive to most people, and that's okay. Um, hell, we have like you said, we have people that listen to our show religiously. We have people that are patrons that pay us sponsorship to support us that dislike a lot of what we like. Sure. Yeah, it's just not their scene. But you got to admit, though, Scorsese and Coppola have found a way to transform art into commerce. Like David Lynch has not entered this conversation. Yes, he has been successful a few times at sure. what he does, but for the sure. most part, David Lynch films do not do very well in the box office. If if you put a gun to my head and I said name the best director on the planet, it would be David Lynch, right? But commercially, uh-uh. And there's a lot of people that just don't get David Lynch. And I'm not pointing fingers and saying, well, you're obviously adult in the brain. If you don't right, like David right. Lynch, there's something wrong with you. No, I just – he doesn't make commercially viable material. But right. Scorsese and Coppola have found a way to have their cake and eat it. Like, yes, their their films are visually stunning. They're They're – and and the the you know the scripts that go with them are, are compelling as hell and it, yes it is art on a higher level than the marvel movies i will admit but they've also packaged it in a commercially they've greased the wheels right i mean if they were going to go full out auteur they would be looking like david lynch is what i'm saying so yeah they're 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 shitting on marvel but in the same sense they're doing somewhat the same thing with their properties albeit in a more elevated level Mm-hmm. Whatever. Dap has been totally quiet. I know, right? It's getting on my nerves at this point. Fuck, <laughs> on your nerves. Where was I going to jump in? What was I going? I mean, add? I don't know. When my... you had when you had something passionate to say, you it's passionate discourse, my friend. It's it's yeah. It's not Dap listens to two guys. Come on. <laughs> it's like Dap's great. Do I got to pay for this? That, that should be a pay. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, no, I listen. It's 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 one of those that I just. I keep thinking of of the uh, the Adam Ellis cartoon. It's just like let people enjoy things. It doesn't. I don't care. Yeah. If okay, yeah. So 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 a couple old dudes who who, and this is just going to reiterate everything you guys have already said. They 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 made some fantastic movies. I mean, we the Vince and I gushed about Joker, and Nat pays homage to, to to Scorsese. So I mean, there are we 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 know what came before us and 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 we've all enjoyed i mean but it's not to say it's it's, it's not like they're not they're not also flawless because you know well joker's flawless no i'm just saying i mean we did yeah. get godfather 3 and you know so i mean there's some things yeah. where it's just like so uh, and 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 it's it's i i guess the guy who who wrote the godfather it's okay for him to work on a superman movie but the guy who directed the movie maybe not so much it's just it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's weird marlon that, brando was in superman he, exactly. come on um there was no butter involved there though but there there you just there's there's um i it I, yes it's 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 weird to hear um cuz it's it's almost like older comic pros who want to crap on the younger generation because they use Photoshop instead of actually putting, you know, pen to board. And, and, and you know, it, 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 it's just things change. The, the audiences change. It just like we've had, we've had 
we we moved we 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 got our talkies we got color movies we we graduated from the westerns and 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 the war movies and you know so everything has its its time to shine and and it's fine if they think that you know this either um plays to the lowest common denominator or it, it's just it's 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 vap entertainment and 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 there's no there's no food for thought there it's like well you know as as great as 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 Goodfellas is, I can only hear Henry Hill laughing so many times. And and there's not everything, just because you made something that, that a lot of people really enjoy, and and James Gunn, and Joss Whedon, and and everybody's making right. movies that, that other people enjoy. It, it's it's just, there's enough room for everybody but, to have fun. But right, if a couple but she- of dudes want to say that, you know, this is beneath them, I... I just, I, I kind of just, well, just, thing, just zone I mean, it out. I yeah, and out. I would even say, like, I don't, like, I, I actually don't have Coppola's comments handy, but, um, but, but Scorsese doesn't even say it's beneath him. He just says it's not for him. Like, it's not what he thinks is right. I, I, did, I, I mean, I remember yeah. seeing everybody throwing around the word despicable. I think that was Coppola. That must yeah. have been Coppola. Yeah, Coppola. I think. Now again, like Coppola's, you know, Coppola's Coppola. He's got he's, wine to make, right? Yeah, but, but you do have to acquiesce to a certain degree that. The Marvel movies do appeal to the lowest common denominator. You, you cannot make billions and billions of dollars and not appeal to the lowest common denominator. Well, we, we say that all the time. It's like, you know, just because something makes a lot of money, is it quantity or quality? You, you know, you could have something that made a ton of money. You could have records that have sold through the roof. It doesn't mean just because everybody bought them doesn't mean, uh, you know, just because everybody I knew in high school had like an Ace of Base albums doesn't mean that was the best like in music of the time it's just no, it's, it's it's so i don't yes that's fine a lot of people that's great it made bank and 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 made people went to go see it multiple times but for the most part everybody knows i mean you can't you, you could turn on late night tv and listen to a talk show host and he mentions thanos and like 12 years ago that would have never no, been no, no, it's no. so it, it's but it, the, it's the fact that it's, the late night host is mentioning thanos is because it connects with the largest segment of the population yeah. possible right, right. He's, yeah, he's right. not and, mentioning you know uh jim thurwell yeah and where <laughs> i really where, I mean, still and, say fredo right yeah that's true this is a bit of a tangent i don't we don't have to go down but I, I do lose my mind when people start going into this whole rhetoric of how the marvel cinematic universe has ruined cinema no, broadly God, I, no. I think it's the fucking most asinine take mm-hmm. and i no. like again i know we're talking about being open-minded and you think what you think but like there are certain things people say or do that make me want to pretty much write them off and like this this narrative that the commercial success of the disney film franchise is somehow ruining cinema is like borderline like like psychotic it, it doesn't make any sense because if you're if because you're conflating other demographic trends into something that uh that they're not in control of the the reason that the Marvel cinematic universe and other franchises like fast and the furious and, and the recent DC films make the money they make and are being made like them is because the studios have had to adapt to that system of the fact that everybody has 60 and 70 inch high definition movie screens in three different rooms in their house now. And you can stream almost anything that's ever been created for free or close to free. And it's been a 20 year trend where people don't go to the movies anymore. And if they do, it's because they want an experience, which is generally a visual experience. 
that they feel like they can't match on their 70-inch home TV. And that's why lots of comedies and lots of dramas don't do well commercially anymore because you can watch them at home and get the same kind of emotional impact that you could from seeing them on a giant screen. In people's minds, they can't get the impact of seeing giant worlds being destroyed and cars blowing up and all that kind of thing. That's something that you want to see in a larger-than-life screen. Hmm. It's just – it's all part of this this demographic shift to cheaper home entertainment. And the studios have just adapted to that because it's fucking expensive to make a film. And so you better get a good return on it. And, like, I just – I want to throw up when I see people be like, oh, it's all about business. It's always been about business. If Scorsese kept making films that didn't cover his nut and generate a profit for the studio, the studio wouldn't let him keep making films. It's that simple. True. Like you bring up David Lynch, Vince. Like, I don't know offhand David Lynch's, like, commercial success, although I, I, to your point, I don't think. But, like, there's a reason why certain filmmakers don't get to make 25 films in 50 years. Right. Because they why do can't you think, straddle it. Why do you think Lynch returned to Twin Peaks? Yeah, because they can't straddle it. That's why, like, Scorsese and Spielberg and Ron Howard, whether you'll ever hate him, like, that's why they get to keep making films. Because they can make Oscar-caliber films at times, but also bring in enough profit that the studios yeah. are happy to give them another budget. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you want to make art, you're not going to get rich. It's not going to Or happen. at least not as often, right? It, can, no, if you, if you want to make yeah. high art, you're not going to get rich. If you want well, to make can, you art can have that... that you, you can have those rare exceptions sure. where... Y- uh, y- y'all have your blue velvet, but... Right, I get it. Yeah, but anyway. it, it, it's something that we always return to. Uh, it's all art, whether or not Scorsese admits that it is. It's it's art. It's just that what art do you want to consume? Yeah, it's, it's and this art. is just the the latest, the the most recent um, director saying something about because 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 Gam- James Cameron did it last year. Uh, after right. Wonder Woman came out, so I mean, you know, everybody, they, someone does an interview. And that's really someone, funny to me. It is absolutely. James Cameron is the king of commercial filmmaking. Thank yep. you. True. I mean, and, literally, that that is. I mean, and again, I'm not going to judge it, it, it. Everyone's tastes are subjective, but I mean, if you're doing an objective review of James Cameron's career, it's been about commerce. Yes. That said, are you going to go see Dark Fate? Oh, I mean, I've seen all his films. Well, no, I haven't seen Avatar actually. I really? Oh, Avatar's beautiful. I, I believe I own the Blu-ray. I haven't seen the whole thing. No, it's it. beautiful. It's 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 it is pretty, but yeah, I, I can't. it's very commercial. But it, uh, it, I will say I just it is a beautiful yeah, it was, movie. The hype over the 3D was so crazy at the time. I just got salty about it, and I never watched it. And it's just I don't. And he's coming back to it. So I, I don't even have a three times. Not, I don't have a strong like. I'm not boycotting the film. I just haven't right. sat down to watch it. Right. I mean. I I don't want, even want to make a comment on this. I, I whatever. It's it's all just Jason said it. Just enjoy what you enjoy. That's it. That's yeah. it. Well, people enjoy things. It, yeah. it, I don't. You know if and it doesn't. You know I I mean yeah. I might throw some side. I if, if if what you enjoy is shitting on what other people enjoy, then that's you know I mean that 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 doesn't compute. Yeah. But I just what's I, gained? What do you gain? By shit, not and listen. Way. I realize we are, we've all been guilty of it in our own rights, right? Like, like I, oh, I, mean, I we're always throwing, and I, I mean, made a joke about it in a thread uh, on the No Apologies or Taylor Network. Is today I said I'll I'll still cut a bitch if you tell me that uh, that uh, the last so was eight, I was, that, yeah. was eight was a good movie. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I'm half kidding. I, I 
Like I just I I visceral hate in my heart for that film. So, um, but but again, I'm kidding. Like, but if you like it, you like it. It's all good. Yeah, you're you know. just irrational. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. Dap's I, that way with Man of Steel. He can't help but anytime Man of Steel's brought up. Well, I gotta back up, that. brother Dap. Man of Steel's a poo poo movie. Well, <laughs> it's just, okay, but again, you just got done saying people like what they like. Let them live. Yeah, let let them live. Just right. right. You, you start opening your mouth on Man of Steel, and I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, so we, we basically like, just completely erased everything. We did, we did. But in in to save our souls, I will not say. I'm sorry, but I will not say who. But someone, I did read today that if they find out someone does not care for the first episode of Watchmen, that they will judge them in a way that just erases. Anything of note? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's no, it's yeah, it's just, just like wrong. this source material. No, but you know what? I got, I gotta, I gotta understand because super, super devout Catholics, I judge, and super, super devout Republicans that worship this guy, I judge. Oh, sure. so I can understand it, but it's it's when when the subject matter is art and you're judging. Yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, that kind of Daph's talking about me. Um, I said that too, in the sense that it's kind of like one of those things where, as you guys know, for a long time, I had never really given Led Zeppelin much of a try. Stop. No, no, no. But but I had always given them props. Okay. And like I know you're not. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's you do like the Beatles fans, so right? There's some group that you're not a huge fan of, right? Is it? It's not. Is it Pink Floyd? Which, no, I love Pink Floyd. I, I don't. I, I don't like Sticks very much. No, that doesn't count. Um, no, I, I'm just. No, I'm saying like like there are certain Cream. Don't like Cream at all. No, that doesn't count. Okay. There are certain performers or artists of, of of any given medium where you may not like them, like on a personal enjoyment level, but and that's fine. But I will write you off if you don't acknowledge their their importance. exactly like the Beatles and and yeah. you did it to me a couple of weeks ago when I said something about Bob Dylan and you're like nah nah mm-mm. and I, but you didn't say he's he's no in question not. you were just like yeah. you don't get him oh was it Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen no I think it was I, uh, I'm not a huge Springsteen yeah, no, fan because so I don't I, I someone was bringing up that I don't like I'm from Jersey and in the Northeast and I don't like. I well beyond I I dis dislike actively dislike Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen, um, but yeah, but but to your point, but I I'm not going to ever tell anybody that they're I mean they're both Hall of Fame, yeah, musicians. Of course they are. I I just don't care for their music. I, right. Personally, I, I'm not. But I'm not going to. I don't. I don't get the. They, the they Billy... don't suck. I'm not going to say they suck. I right. Just... I don't get the Billy Joel miss with you because you love you love show tunes. Every song Billy Joel ever wrote is a wait, show tune. Wait, 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 wait. When have you ever heard me listen to a show tune? <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I fucking singing? No, but you actively no, you I, actively I, go to 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 brought you like Hamilton and stuff. You 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 make a point. I've never been to Hamilton. Really? I've never heard the soundtrack either. What am I thinking then? But I, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm going to Broadway shows because I'm cultured. But I right. I, See, I, you're cultured. But I don't buy the soundtracks. The, the fact that. Every Probably the only the only Broadway soundtrack I think I've ever owned, and I say I meaning we as a couple, cats. was Rent. Rent. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I said cats. Oh, cats. Yeah, <laughs> I saw cats on Broadway. Cat, so, I did I. so did cats I. So did I. But every song Billy Joel has ever written is a show tune, masquerading as a top forty hit. Right. 
I mean, the man writes show tunes. That's what he does. My wife loves Billy Joel. Right. I, I, I don't think he's all that either, but I will not discount that he is a very talented composer. Right. There you go. I have some highfalutin stuff. Just to, I was going to say we spent over an hour without talking comics, but that's yeah, all good. Just to kind of sort of redeem us. I re- Okay, this stems from the fact that the big two are not doing it for me these days. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go in just trying to feign excitement for something I don't really feel like talking about. I'm just going to go back and reread the stuff that I really, really love that I haven't talked about on the show ever. And one of the um, books that I really, really love, which originally was serial, serialized, The Bottle of 19 Crimes is Three Quarters God. I just want to mm. say that. Mm. So w- this was originally serialized in heavy metal. So if you read heavy metal in the early 80s, chances are very good that you at least experience one of the chapters of this. Um, it was later collected in 1979. Uh, Heavy Metal put out a graphic novel. It's basically a collection. It was distributed by Simon & Schuster, written and illustrated by the legendary Angus McKee. It is so beautiful and so jan- dangerous. I'm pretty confident David had uh, exposed himself to at least a chapter or two of this at one time. Yes? Yeah. If you read heavy metal within the first two years of publication, you probably encountered this 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 story. Um, McKee dedicates the book to two beautiful people, Quasimodo and Johnny Rotten. <laughs> he, he calls it the first existential science fiction comic story. I don't know if that's true, but that's what he calls it. Back in the day, I will completely admit I did not understand this at all. It just seemed weird. I, yes, I thought the art was fantabulous, and it is. The story, I just didn't get it because I was either too young, I, I, I didn't have the uh, experience or the mindset to, uh, you know, appropriately conceive of what McKee was doing. But now, as a fifty-four-year-old grown-ass man, at least on the surface, I tell myself, "Wow." This is pretty much a masterpiece. So top level, the story quickly flies off the rails. It it begins with a televised broadcast where a scientist comes out, this very stuffy guy, and and he plods through this, this dry run of something called the Green Bank Formula, which is the Drake Equation, which was devised to estimate the number of extraterrestrial civilizations. This is humanity postulating on how many extraterrestrial civilizations are out there on this extremely convoluted formula. And after a tsunami of scientific mumbo-jumbo, and he manipulates the results to reinforce his conclusion, he settles on a number. He says, okay, there's only one society or There's only one culture that is currently living in the cosmos that satisfies this formula, and it's us. And as he's saying this, a giant starship breaks the Earth's atmosphere, descends right above the building in which he's making the transmission. 
and it's uh, Sisyphus and his robotic buddy Titan. And they descend their happy-faced starship, Icarus, directly over the building. If you've seen the heavy metal movie, you've seen, mm-hmm. you've seen this sequence animated, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he makes his proclamation, and Sisyphus sets the dude straight. And the guy's name's Sisyphus. So everything, all the baggage that comes with naming a character Sisyphus applies here, right? He said that even if 1% of the civilizations in the universe made peace with themselves, there would be over a million extraterrestrial civilizations to satisfy this Drake equation. It all just depends whether you're a pessimist or an optimist. And that sets the stage for the rest of the story. Everything you know is wrong. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted, right? And it it seems that Earth, at least in terms of the story, has gained a legendary status among extraterrestrials. Sisyphus, who looks like a cross between Triton of the Inhumans and a cucumber-like skin texture and a nose like a carrot. Like, he's... He's green, he's got the Triton-esque ears, but he, he kind of looks like a cucumber. And he's got a robot sidekick, Triton. If you saw Heavy Metal, the 1981 animated movie, which McKee wrote the section in for the Heavy Metal movie, but he completely eviscerated So Beautiful and So Dangerous in this segment. There's two pluses to the sequence that was animated. One, it was backed by Cheap Trick. And two, two, the voice of Titan was provided by the late, great John Candy. Okay, yeah. 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 So Titan kind of informs the human population that under galactic law, you know, you guys are afforded free passage to any port of call on our flight path. So that gets a gaggle of artists and poets and deadbeats and dropouts and junkies and hippies and gutter swine to board the Icarus for parts unknown. They're going to the stars and just this, a bunch of society's castoffs board the ship, including Mick Jagger, John Lennon. The, one of the things about so beautiful and so dangerous, there's Easter eggs everywhere. Like if you look in a crowd, you'll see Mark Bolin from, you know, T-Rex, or you'll see, um, da vinci or a bunch of like pop culture luminaries they're just buried in in the 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 panels but be that as it may so you got two guys that are the focus of this story steve and willie and they're polar opposites willie is the everyman the nebbish the loser and he looks a lot like woody allen which it was very much intentional right steve is hunky he looks like a he's a jock. He's like the Uberman, the the pinnacle of of Earth male, um, but his mind resides below his belt. Tits and ass, right? That's all he wants to know. But where Willie is the thinker, the pessimist. His wife left him. His future outlook is bleak. He's he's unappreciated. He's alone. He's unloved. So he he jumps on board the Icarus. Like why not? You know. So. You got these two polar opposites of, on board the Icarus, and um, Willie's questioning everything. Why are we doing this? What, what, what's, what is the whole purpose of this thing? Like, what is this? And Steve just wants to get his rocks off, right? So you got two 
mindsets, directly opposed mindsets, and they're going to see the stars, right? So McKee kind of details how interplanetary travel works. Like the ships follow these invisible rays, which are focused through energy gates, like they're stargates, right? All of which converge on this single point. And it's a, a massive city floating in the firmament. But McKee's much more eloquent than myself. He, he calls it apocalyptic magnet, a monument to vanity and vice, an erotic chimera. And so you have this, this thing that's supposed to break your mind if you ever witness it. And all the humans want to do on board is get drunk and screw. You have enlightenment, for good or ill, um, within your grasp. And all the humans want to do is just party. So you have pathos, and it quickly leapfrogs into bathos. It's amazing, and it's so true to life, right? Like, that's what humans, I think, would do. If if you had a course set for this life-changing, revelatory um, experience, and it was going to be like three or four days, and you're on board the starship, what would humans do? They hook up, and they get drunk, and they get high, and they get nuts, right? So it, it, there's a commentary about human nature in this thing. Um, there's a side quest in the book that concerns a gigantic alien much in the kirby mode he's got horns and he's massive and and he he he, he's a terrorist and he he sends a message to the axis saying if you don't um acquiesce to my demands i'm going to set off this giant stink bomb and and nobody will want to see this majestic life changing transformative uh city again and so steve and willie are sent to dissuade him from his plan because they're humans and fortunately this um, alien is deathly afraid of humans because our reputation precedes us. We, we've gained a reputation as being this weird little speck in the, in the universe where life evolved along a certain path and we're unique and brutal and barbaric, but there's something about us that is very compelling to other races um and it 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 ends well like steve and willie managed to bond with the alien in a weird way but they turned the tables on those that kind of forced them into the situation but it's it's a strange book where you had titan who's a robot and he has a relationship with a woman and there's it's heavy metal so there's nudity in it and and she's nude and she's smoking. You've seen the the cartoon, right? She mm-hmm. she's she's smoking and he's a robot. And um it it's it's McKee kind of given a uh tip of the hat to another um British comic strip. Um have I'm sure you've both read Penthouse back in the day. Do you mm-hmm. remember um Ron Embleton's O Wicked Wanda? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they had the thigh-high boots on. Well, there's mm-hmm. two women in this story that have thigh-high boots, and one's a blonde, one's a brunette. So I'm thinking this is McKee's tip of the hat 
to uh, Frederick Mullally and Ron Embleton, who did uh, Old Wicked Wanda. But in a nutshell, it's a it's a very very strange read because on the surface it's this sci-fi space romp, but underneath the the story really kind of ponders this nature of existence. And not so much the nature of existence, but even if it's worth pondering the nature of existence in the first place. It's it's subversive and it's pessimistic and it's fatalistic and uh, it, it it's trying to wrap our heads around or McKee was trying to wrap his head around where is the place of the human organism in the universe or do we even matter? Um, there's a, a character that has lived for thousands and thousands of years and he's trying to make sense out of life, the universe and everything. And he just gave up. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the point of this thing is. Like, why are we here? What is the, why are we, why do we exist? Nothing makes sense. It's, it's a commentary on the futility of existence as much as it is a surface level tits and ass sci-fi romp um in the cartoon mckee it's they kind of bastardize the story because it's and maybe not because if you remember the two aliens all they wanted to do is snort giant lines of cocaine mm-hmm. remember when they were they were going through the, the yeah, ship yeah. Mm-hmm. but but at the at the soul of it the it kind of belies what mckee's doing in the graphic novel where he's just wondering is this all there is? Like, why, why are we breathing? What's the point of this entire roadshow? I, I just want to read one page, one, one simple page of it. When the ship descends, right, they send a, a bunch of actors out to greet the human population, right? So um, one says, look up in the sky. The same battle in the clouds will be observed by the deaf as lightning and the blind as thunder. Come on in. The air is lovely. You can fly too if you really want. That's one panel. So, okay, completely innocuous. Come on in. And then one says, the optimist proclaims that we live in the best of all possible worlds. And he's, he's wearing a mask of comedy. And then another character says, the pessimist fears that this is so. And he's wearing the, the, the tragedy mask. Then you have an alien walk out that says, women are silver dishes into which we put golden apples. Life is the art of drawing sufficient conclusions from insufficient premises. And then he's approaching a box and he opens a box and it's like a jack in the box, but instead of a a, a jack, it's a a boxing glove that punches him in the face. Then you have another alien that says, man is imprisoned in a cage of mirrors. What would you expect? And the last panel, there's an alien. It looks like a, a a blue watermelon with tentacles. And it says, Quid rides, mutato nomine de te fabula narrator. And what that means is, why are you laughing? Change the name and the story would be yours. So like I was saying, on the surface, it, it, it appears to be this gaily cover colored sci-fi romp that kind of gets tries to get to the the soul of existence but what mckee's really doing is like saying we exist why what for what reason 
Nothing makes sense. We, we breathe, we experience, we, we reproduce, our, our reproductions reproduce. Like, what the frig is the whole point of this damn thing? And it doesn't come to a conclusion, as it should. What, what is the conclusion? Has anybody managed to formulate a conclusion as to why we are here? I, I don't think so. And so, rightly so, the graphic novel, or the, the collection, because it was serialized in heavy metal, doesn't come to a conclusion either. But visually, I think it, it's, it, it, it has a, a lofty place in one of the all-time best things I've ever seen, with my two eyes. It's, it's part uh, Will Elder, um, Alex Schomburg, Richard Corbin. It looks a little like Frank R. Paul. Like the visuals are just flat out stunning. And there's a, an introduction that says as the chapters were coming into the heavy metal offices, the, the office would just stop and just gaze at these pages because they are that beautiful. They really are exquisite. Um, but it's it, it it's one of those works that de- what you get out of it depends on what you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're 15 years old and and somewhat inexperienced at this merry-go-round we call life, you're you're really not going to get a whole lot out of this. That that, that wow, look at those funny aliens and and um, the boobs, but. McKee's trying to do something very, very, I would say, he, he's probing. He's looking for answers. And he doesn't, like, like everyone on this planet, he, he doesn't find them, really. And, and therefore, I, I think this is one of my all-time favorite works because it, 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 it raises questions that I ask myself on a daily basis. What is the whole point of this? I don't know. Is is it to to live a, f- a, a fruitful life with those you you love? Is there is there a grand plan here that we're not seeing? You have this giant celestial type entity that has been observing everything for thousands of years, and he can't come to a conclusion as to why all this exists. What the hell is the point? I love books like this. That's great because it it just ignites the the. Uh, the 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 quest probe the 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 mm-hmm. the search for meaning and it was all laid out in the first couple of years of heavy metal it's it's not long at all it's like maybe a hundred and if if it's a hundred and twenty pages it's it's a lot but it's one of those things that absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous um McKee's a master of color and he's an awesome illustrator to boot but the mm-hmm. uh the the space opera esque vi- visuals are just a smokescreen for the real point. That's that's the the depths to which he's trying to plumb, or the heights, uh, depending on if you're a pessimist or an optimist, right? <laughs> so, um, I I think it's an amazing work, and I was happy enough to just have the issues um, of heavy metal, but I I was tooling around on eBay, and I saw. An original 1979 edition for like less than ten bucks, and I'm like, sweet, buy it now, buy it now. So I did. To get it. So I did. Yeah, but um, I mean, I could belabor the point and read to you some of the 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 text from this, but I don't think I want to do that. 
I want people to experience this. But if you're adventurous and and you're you're not um, fulfilled with the average um, Biff Bang Pow stuff, I think check this out. So beautiful and so dangerous by Angus McKee. It is it is a, a it's a a work of note. I think. And when did it come out? Seventeen. Well, the collected edition came out in seventy nine, mm-hmm. but the original run. I'm guessing it was like seventy, late seventy seven into okay. into seventy eight. If mm-hmm. if it went eight chapters, it went a lot. But uh, top level, it's one of the most beautiful comic uh, strips you'll you'll ever see. And I, I I have no reservations with saying that. Because I think McKee is one of those guys that absolutely does not get his due. It is it's it's staggering just how beautiful this book is. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You are one for passionate uh uh recommendations and this may be one of your more passionate in a long time. I'd love it. Well I'm I don't know. I just I, I like to consider things outside the mundane. What am I going to eat? What am I going to fuck? When am I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those things are great, but why the hell are we here? What, what is the purpose for this organism that has walked from the sea to what end? What's the deal? Why? What, what if it is just random? Again, that would be fine. At least that's an answer. Right? Mm-hmm. At least it just happened. It just was. Lucky, a lucky commingling of chemicals that was struck by some kind of energy source and we became uh, single cell organisms and did the jump from, yeah, you know, you could do it. Uh, do the math. It just, it just was. There was really no point. But really, what are the chances of that happening? That, that we were just... Well, I mean, astronomical, which is why... There's infinite planets, but probably only a few with intelligent life. Ah, a few. So if there's more than one, then that injects a complexity to this thing that makes it all more exciting, right? If we oh. are, if we are the only one and exist in this simulation, of course we're not the only one. Which is yeah, oh, arrogance. I that. totally agree with you. But if you are, as if we are, as some people think, the only one, that would be. A very depressing existence. If we are just puppets that were spewed out on this planetary stage by something that just wants to see what happens, you might as well take the bridge, right? I mean, what's the friggin' point? We're we're all just pets. But if if we if there is if there are more than one of us out there, and eventually we we meet, like then. The, the stage becomes much more complex and and the answers become even more complex and deep and that's those are the things that I just like to concern myself with I like Superman punching dark side in the face that's awesome but sometimes <laughs> but sometimes I like to think um, I like to get into the scary territory where you may not like the answers and that's that's cool but all those brains in a vat, right? At the hands of a master like McKee, um, I, I, I will say that at least on the visual side of it, you're going to get something 
that will be a complete revelation if you have never seen his art before. He's, mm -hmm. he's just godlike to me. Take from the story what you will, but the visuals are um, beyond reproach. Is he still alive? Yeah. Does he still do uh, comics? No. No. Mm -hmm. he, he did book covers and um, uh, you know, paperback covers and stuff. Uh, his work mm -hmm. is just great. But as far as comics, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of um, comics. I'm just checking to make sure that he's still alive. I'll, I'll mm -hmm. put a bullet in my own brain. Yeah, he was born in 51. He's still alive. All right. Yeah. He was, uh, 1993, he wrote and drew the first two parts of a science fiction comic published by Dark Horse entitled The Blue Lily, which I have. It was never finished. Um, McKee was reported in 2011 to be working on the last two parts of the book in his spare time. Uh, and that's it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, not so much from Angus McKee, but what he did produce is, uh, Pretty legendary, in my estimation. Take it away. Well, who's going to follow that? I'm tired of talking. In your travels. No. We got... Oh, shit. We're almost two hours. I'm sorry. How is that? First of all, we, we, we attempted the video, so that, that ate up some time. But there's nothing to be sorry about. We no. we We all talked about things we enjoyed, and then the... the the current event stuff. So it's all it, it it's all good. Great, you baby. Know, yeah. It's always all good. So does that mean you guys want to end this? Say it ain't so. I didn't say that. All right. No, I mean no. I I, I got So what do you got? Was, it's bountiful. Um well, I do want to give some love to a uh, longtime friend of the show, Mr. Jim Rugg and his writing partner Brian Maruka because uh, the latest in uh, what's getting to be a pretty hefty series of oversized hardcovers uh, has uh, come out for Street Angel. This time it is a Street Angel superhero for a day published by Image Comics. Uh, and in this story, it's uh, Jesse Sanchez, a.k.a. the Street Angel, is a uh, Feeling some kind of way because a rat stole her sandwich. She's hungry as fuck. And uh, she is um, with her peoples, is diving around looking for food in the dumpsters and whatnot. And she comes across the body of a dead alien clad in a costume with power ring. And they take the ring. Obviously, this is a Green Lantern homage. And uh, one of her friends, Emma, puts the ring on and becomes a superhero so, uh, and then hijinks ensue and, uh, street angel is just not about it. She thinks, she thinks it's dumb, dumb to be in a costume. She doesn't understand how you can sneak up on, on bad people when you're wearing a costume. And, uh, it's just funny. It's, uh, the only problem I have with street angel is that it comes at the expense of more aphrodisiac. But if <laughs> there, if Jim's not going to give me more aphrodisiac, then I'm happy to keep getting every, six to nine months, a new volume of street angel. Cause it's dope. And I love his cartooning. And, um, this one is especially near and dear to me because the inside, uh, 
back and front inside covers um, are Ohatmu pages for characters from Street Angel. Nice. So very, very well done, Jim. Uh, I uh, I tip my cap to you. And Brian. I'm not sure Brian really exists, but Jim swears he does. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Street Angel Superhero for a Day. You know what I love the most about Jim Rugg? I shouldn't say the most. One of the things I love about Jim Rugg is that Ed Piscor is over in Japan. Uh, I guess currently. And he's taking pictures of himself in various places that sell manga and other things. But he took a picture of himself with a giant Gundam. And, yeah, I and, saw that. and Ed text or captioned the photo like Unicorn Gundam. Yeah. And Jim Rugg replied to it like, yes, Unicorn Gundam. Rugg and Piscor and Sholy, they have this unabashed love for like, it seems everything comics and, and related. You know, like Rugg's Rugg's not going to say Gundam. F that. That's beneath me. No. Rugg is like, yes, Gundam. Like, okay, one of us, right? And Mm -hmm. Piscor is the same way. These guys, they they just, they don't give a shit. 90s image, Gundam, manga, like they love the avant-garde stuff and the picture box. They they just love it all. And they they don't care. That's what I, I, I like. One of the things I like best about Rug and Piscor and Sholy is they don't, again, to get back to what we were talking about, they love what they love and they don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. It's, that is facts. It's the way to be. I love them very much. I love them so uh, much. There was a uh, shout out to our boy, Onomar. Uh He sent me a link uh it was last week, week or so ago, um, dcinthe80s.com. Uh, and at the be- earlier in this month, they sat down and spoke to Jim Rugg because they decided to do a little bit of a shoot interview about Lobo. And yes. Yeah. Jim gushed about that first miniseries and, um, and the, uh, the interviewer, um, Ian Thomas uh, made the um, noted that Street Angels uh, publication schedule is very reminiscent to early Lobo with the the one shots and the miniseries and just the short spurts of here's the character and then we'll be back later. Mm-hmm. Um, which Jim Jim like completely took him by surprise because it's like yeah I, it it that absolutely makes sense but it was it was it, it, it's a nice little interview where um they do they do talk about uh cartoonist kayfabe and and um and and the whole going through wizard and and other things that that, that folks are up to but it, it it's a fantastic interview and it's nice to know that uh jim has a that lobo holds a special place in jim's heart like the rest of us as it should awesome. be yeah yes i like to mention josh bayer a lot you do? Right. Wait, you do? I do. But for all his awesome qualities, Josh draws a line at like the Bronze Age where Jim Rugg and, and, and Sholey and, and Piscard, they don't have a line, right? They can find something from each decade of comics that, that they – like Lobo, 
that they love, like 90s image, where, I mean, I'm, it's not um, a derogatory comment to Josh. I mean, th- he's, he's, he has a certain mindset and, and he follows it, which is awesome. But there's the Sholey and Piscor mindset, which I think is a little more all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love that. Did, did I just make a, a derogatory comment about Josh Bear? No. no. All right. Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> More like constructive criticism. Not really. He he's <laughs> he's he is who he is. And that's awesome. Totes my goats. Yep. So what else do we read? I'm not ready to, to pack it in. Um speaking of things that are that are near and dear, uh the concept of um of big head is something that's I've been attracted to and, 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 and did you say big head? I said big head. Um, and, and, uh, big head returned in, um, the mask. I pledge allegiance to the mask. And I, it's weird. I part of me wants to say there is truth to the the phrase "you can't go home again," but this really does feel like something that Arcudi and and Maki would have done. It it's um it definitely feels like a mask story. It may not entirely look like a mask story. Um, it is. It's written by uh, Christopher Cantwell, an artist by Patrick Reynolds, and Patrick's art is a little bit too realistic for. I don't want to say for my taste, but maybe for this story. Well, what was great about the original, the mask and the mask strikes back, and it was how. Monkey's work, it, 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 the physics, the world these people live in, it, 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 it makes sense. It feels real, but the way he would draw the characters and and their actions and expressions would verge on the cartoony, and and because of the subject matter, that that was extremely fitting. And um, this this also, and because of the the look of the original miniseries. It's very easy to just look at that violence as, um, as, uh, just exaggerated and, and not take it seriously. And, and this particular story, um, it is that there are some things that hit a little bit too close to home. And because it, because the a, the art is, is presented, um, it's, it sticks to you. It feels a little dirtier than it's just, it's, it's a little too real for me. And, um, so if the art was different, I'd probably feel different. Uh, but it's still a very typical mask story with the return of some of the original characters. And I'm not, I'm it, it's it, we're years later. People have retired and moved on. Um, gotten into the political arena so 
there's been growth with the characters uh and and it's definitely um if this was done 10 12 years ago you'd probably think you know yeah that that shit would never happen but because of the world we live in now yeah it it, it feels a little bit like i said it, it it's some of it's a little a little too close to home but um there there are some extremes with 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 the comedy with the humor um with the violence but uh it's definitely a mask story i just i think um it may be a mask story that um i would have liked to have seen presented differently if that makes sense well Mankey's a hard guy to top oh well shit yeah (laughs) you ain't kidding yeah especially on the mask too cartoon physics i think Mankey's pretty he's very adept at it so if you're going to set the stage with this weird malleable physics type thing and then if you bring it into the real I don't know it sounds like a breach of contract yeah it's not you know it's not like this isn't Cool World or or Frame Roger Rabbit it's just you know I I, I find it very hard for this character to pull a sledgehammer out of his coat pocket you know and and, but that's what you expect with the mask Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but and and again, you know, the the original series, the, the the original serial, you know, Stanley was a dude who was he was bullied. He 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 was you know the, the nebbishy kind of guy, and and you know he he's way out of his league with his girlfriend, who basically was just using him. And and you know he gets Stanley goes to bring his car into the mechanic, and and the mechanic you know is just taking advantage of. You know, get ready when it gets ready, and 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 you know takes him for a ride as far as how much money it'll cost and you know stanley finds the mask and and decides to take matters in his own hands and and you know and then you know you wake up the next morning and and you go into the garage and, and you know like the mechanics got like the the motor sticking out of his ass and it's like you know little things like that where you just feel like okay well that's weird and and, and, <laughs> and, and haha funny but you know but but if someone were to draw this and and um you know, there there's a they're foster parents and and they're basically taking advantage of the kids. Like 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 the kids go to sleep. If they behave themselves, they they get um they they get a spoonful of uh of like of maple syrup. That's dinner. And what if they if they misbehave, one of them gets put into a um into a pet carrier because because they're small <laughs> enough to fit in there. And wow. and there, there's roaches and shit all over the house and um. And so the foster father, he's telling a little girl, you know, don't 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 cry, little rainbow. If Doreen's just being a bitch, I'll I'll let you out of there, and, and all you got to do is, is sleep in my bed tonight, okay? And and mm. then um, and then and then someone shows up, and and my man gets a fist through his mouth in the back of his head, and you see his eyeball pop out, and like if Monkey were to draw that, again, you would it it would be more of a in a in a ha ha kind of bent here it's just like well that's just that's ew and and you know and and so you then the mask goes ahead and grabs the 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 chocolate the hershey's chocolate syrup and and pours it down the mother's throat and and like you know and then you just see chocolate coming out of her nose and her eyes and then like she explodes and and you know it's just not enough exaggeration right so it's it's you know i i if if I were to read this, I could picture it 
Doug drawing it, and I know exactly where it would go. But because of the art style here, it's just it. It's not. It's not the right. I mean, maybe it's the mask story for this time, but it's not for somebody who who's who's been familiar with the character for so long. It's just it's it's a little veers a little too far yeah. for me. I, it, it's a Fortune miniseries. I, I I gotta see where these characters end up. Um, I mean, I'm not going to hate read it, but it's still, I still kind of wanted it to look more of what I'm used to, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's rough when they deviate from the mission statement a little bit, or, or at least what you perceive the mission statement to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's tough, but they got to keep trying. Yeah. I mean, and if, and if this is someone's, you know, first first time with the mask and it's a home run for them and they think the art is fitting and, 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 you know, and they, and they dig the story. I mean, again, it, it reads like a mask story. So, you know, I can't, I can't complain about that, but if, if someone reads this and is like, Oh no, this is perfect. And I love the way, you know, Patrick draws the dude. And I mean, that's great. And I'm, I'm happy if it turns someone into a mask fan, that's super. Then you can go back and there's a lot of stuff you can read from back in the day. There's a couple of omnibus. So, you know, enjoy yourself, but, um, it, I can see it working in that direction. Maybe not so much from moving forward, but yeah, we'll see. Every day in every way. Every day I'm hustling. Yep. I just get the impression that shit's moving on, man. And it's it's kind of leaving us behind. Well, we still got plenty of shit to read. Oh, and, and, yeah. It goes without Lord saying. knows, you know, we're not... There's there's plenty of stuff we can even revisit, so you know, mm-hmm. never goes nice. away. Matt, show you right. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess it's time to bring it on home, as we always do. Remember, if you want to get inexpensive, <laughs> yeah, inexpensive. <laughs> Comics and graphic novels and manga and all, all that other, shit. all that other stuff that's in the previous catalog. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. They will set you straight. Massive discounts on everything in the previous catalog, including from Kadansha, Drifting Dragons, Volume 1, $12.99. No way, Jose. You're paying $7.14. From Dark Horse, it's Skull Digger. From the world of Black Hammer, number one of six, dollar ninety nine, and from IDW, it's Wellington. From Peter Kowalski, Aaron Mankey, and Delilah Dawson, will also cost you a dollar ninety nine. Remember the URL, dcbservice.com. I'm gonna take a drink. Mmm. In your travels. Mmm. Something else that I love so very much by a guy I've been following for pretty much my entire life. His work appeared in the first issue and subsequent issues of Comics Book, one of my all-time favorite possessions, the thing that changed me as a rabid Marvel fan into the, hey, you can do other things with this comic book stuff. He's a uh, an underground comic luminary. He was in Raw. He was in Weirdo. Uh, Fanographic Zero Zero. I'm a talking about Kim Deitch. Yeah. And I read, uh, well, I reread The Search for Smiling Ed. 
which is a new edition of the uh, serial that was originally appeared in Zero Zero, but the publisher, y'all know, it's Fantagraphics. Have any of you ever read um, Kim Deitch's stuff? The the Waldo books or any of that stuff? I'm sure I have. Can't say that I have. No. Well, like I'm saying, Veach is one of those, or Veach. Deach is one of those guys that's omnipresent in my my comic book uh, consumption. He's always been there. And I follow him through everything he does. Um, the 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 long story short, I'm going to start at the end and work my way back. The end of this story is that aliens have been watching our planet for hundreds of years, and they're not too impressed with how warlike we are. But they kind of find the way we desire to entertain each other fascinating. So they abduct people and indoctrinate them into their group, and they send them back to observe and record. But more often than not, their human agents don't fare too well. They're a little bit too odd for the times, and they get burned at the stake, etc. So the alien's like, hmm, maybe we should get agents that aren't so conspicuous. So they round up 12 pygmies, from an uncharted island in the South Pacific, and they call them the Gray Ones, they extend their lifespans, and they send these little dudes down to just observe and record, right? And they collect all this pop culture ephemera, uh, and they make this vast underground complex, and they fill it with books and records and comics and all this other stuff, Um and they monitor the life of Kim Deitch's omnipresent graphic sidekick, which is Waldo. If you haven't seen Waldo, Waldo's a little bit Felix the Cat and a little bit Crazy Cat. And he walks around with his junk hanging out and sometimes his dick drips. But he's he's not a cat at all. Oh, in college. No, sometimes his, his dick, like, Deitch will draw this little drip coming from his dick. Um so he he's not really a cat, but he's a figment of the imagination of an alcoholic animator named Ted Mishkin. But he's also a demon, and he's sometimes Judas Iscariot. <laughs> I'm not going to try and make sense of it for you right now. So, but it's like Waldo interacts with his demon buddies, and he's keeping an eye on Kim Deitch, and everything Waldo experiences is recorded and sent back to Deitch from the underground complex by a man named Fulton Means, which, if you've been a Kim Deitch fan, you know that Fulton Means was a pseudonym for Deitch that he used during his career. So Deitch receives text from Means over the internet, and he uses the transmissions as the basis for the book about which I'm talking to you. So a pseudonym sends Deitch this information to make this graphic novel that that you're reading and it's all about the search for this kids sh- this sh- kids show host named Smiling Ed and Smiling Ed had the show and then it was awesome with this froggy character that was this gremlin that would get into the the mix and disrupt things and Buster Brown was involved and Kim Deitch remembers 
this show because his brother, Simon, who was a substance abuse, um, he was an addict and he was putting him on a bus and Simon says, hey, remember that show about Simon Ed or Smiling Ed that we loved as a kid? Whatever happened to that guy? I think he was he died under mysterious circumstances on a boat. And what's the deal with that guy? So it puts the germ of the 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 the, the quest in Kim's mind that I got to find out what happened to this Smiling Ed. And it jogs his memory and Smiling Ed was once possessed by this froggy type character who wasn't a frog at all. He was a demon. And basically what this thing is, is Kim Deitch set out to corral all of his characters, not all, but a lot of his characters from the, the span of his, of his au revoir into this one story. And it's it's very metatextual in that at parts it seems like Waldo is driving the bus and generating the story within Deech's mind and at other times he's getting this transmission from underground from a pseudonym so he's basically generating the ideas himself and it's it, he plays with with the act of creation he he blurs the line between who is the originator of these stories is it did Kim Deitch write these stories? Did Waldo? Did he receive them from an underground transmission? Where are these characters coming from? And then the 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 story reaches beyond the boundaries of the comic page into the real world. Like Kim Deitch is in the story as himself, going through all these paces to find Smile and Ed, and and Waldo, which is a creation of Kim Deitch, is a part of the story but removed from the creator. But yet he's generating some of the ideas that find their way into the creator's mind. It's amazing stuff. But I'm not doing justice to it. It's much more complex than I'm letting on. But it's published by Fanagraphics. It's called The, Smir- the Search for Smiling Ed by Kim Deitch. Just read it because it'll open up this whole world of, of Deitch. And you'll, you'll go into um, the Waldo stuff like Boulevard of Broken Dreams and Alias the Cat and then... You'll you'll go to his his Doc Ledeker stuff like Shadowland. All these characters converge in this story, and it's this conceptual continuity that Deech generates, and it's amazing from someone who's been there from like the beginning. I just think it's neat that he thought, yeah, I'm going to weave this whole convoluted tapestry into one story, and I just think it's great. Search for Smiling Ed, shared universe, baby. Yep. But it's insular. It's his own right. shared right, universe, right. Yeah, yeah. right? It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mentioned some a few first issues. I was going to run down, so I'll have to save that. But I will say a first issue that I thoroughly enjoyed, um, and. Uh, I think this is the first DC work um, by uh, the illustration unit, uh, Gurahiru, and it is Superman Smashes the Clan. And it's written by Gene Luen Yang, and, um, and the art is absolutely stunning. And, and, and I'm, I'm familiar with their work, and um, it's... Um, Sasuke is Sasuke does the 
pencils and inks. Um, and uh, Kawano is the colorist. And the art here, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of the... Um, of the Bruce Tim styling from Superman. And, and you have, um, it's like a little bit, little bit of, of like the, the Wayne boring barrel chested version of Superman, because this is the Superman of the, um, of the forties. So he doesn't fly. He's able to leap tall buildings. Um, he, uh, it's not, the Superman you you well it's not Superman you know and love today it's not even the new fifty two or um, any version really in, in recent memory but uh, it's Metropolis nineteen forty six a family is moving from the uh, basically from from the Chinatown section of Metropolis to to the suburbs um, and they're met with a little bit of um, of racism. Uh, maybe they should know their place and, and, and go back to where they came from. Um, but the kid, it's, it's, it's a mother and a father. The mother's a homemaker. The father is, is a, uh, is a scientist and they're two young children. Um, and they, uh, Roberta and, and her older brother, um, Tommy, Tommy loves baseball. And so he, um, he goes to try out for the neighborhood baseball team, which Jimmy Olsen is the coach for. And um, Tommy has a pretty good arm and ends up getting on the team. And basically, um, because of the attitude and the arrogance of the pitcher, the current pitcher on the team, um, He gets ejected from the team. Tommy's now the pitcher. So there's a little bit of resentment there. When 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 the kid goes home and tells his uncle, uh turns out his uncle is um well the fill in for for the KKK in this story. Uh his uncle is is a is the a grand scorpion. It's not a grand wizard. Um so there's a little bit of drama and tension there. But there's it's it's a um there's a lot it, it, this is this is a exercised book it's 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 a, the a lot of pages here and there's a lot of there's a lot of story but there doesn't seem it's not slow in any way it it, it moves at a pretty good clip the art like i said is is fantastic the 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 pages are um pages are are, are packed and the the way the characters interact with each other, and again, this is also a um, kind of a personal tale because um, Jean dealt with some um, some bullying growing up, and um, so he's using this story kind of a way to um, to to deal with his past, but also this is a um, of a retelling of uh, um, an old Superman radio serial, um, but it 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 is again it it feels kind of um, fitting, the timely, topical for for the current day. Um, but I I I figured I, I 
read it and and be um understand what people go through um but i was it 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 surpassed that it, uh, it any expectations i had were were blown away like i said it it's i i can't go on enough how how great the book looks um but the story is it's it's a um it's it's weird. I want to say it, it may come off as heavy, but but the tone isn't dark, even if the threats are real, because the family, um, they the, the the cross is burned on their yard, and um, and it's there's a moment where um, a couple of uh, African American men are driving by, and and they they help break up the um, the commotion in front of the house, and the father comes out, and he's like, "Listen, yeah, we don't we don't." Um, you know, you, you guys, you guys can go. You're just going to, um, you, you're just going to make the, the situation worse. And, um, nobody asked you to be here. We don't want any more trouble. And, and Roberta's like, you know, dad, they're here to help. And, and he's like, before the father can like, you know, make, make a bigger ass out of himself. One of the three black men is actually a, um, one of the detectives for the metropolis police department. So now all of a sudden, because he's a person of authority and, and, and now the father has, has kind of, you know, realize he's embarrassed himself and um so nobody there's there's really nobody's just straight black or white and and, and no pun intended but but everybody there there are there are nuances shown in on on these pages but it's a um it's it's only a three issue miniseries it's bi-monthly um i again i i thought i'd dig it but i didn't know there'd be so much more to uh to really take away from it so superman smashes the clan number one in your travels there you go it's always good to smash the clan it is when is it when is it not good to ever smash That's the clan? yeah exactly um, there's a double page spread in here of, of superman actually smashing a uh um a he's uh what the hell did he call himself um he is the Adam Man, Master Avenger of the Master Race, and and he's basically like a, a Nazi Metallo. But it is it is a beautiful double page spread. But I'm sorry. No, good. Um, in your travels, um, got another image comic to send y'all's way, and that is uh, Ophiuchus. And uh, if you're like, what did he just say? Uh, it is uh, O P H I U C H U S. Ophiuchus. It is uh, a book named after a, a constellation, mm-hmm. um, and it was originally a web comic that was turned into a graphic novel. Uh, it's uh, it's the creators are Natasha Tara Petrovich and Ali Leverge de la Plante. Say mm. that ten times fast. I like the way uh, you say it. I was almost mm-hmm. uh, Gomez Adams there for a second. You're getting right? me hot with your French. Yes, sir. So um, the book is named after uh, the titular character, uh, who in this story is uh, a robotic um, gatekeeper, like literally a gatekeeper, kind of like Heimdall uh, in Norse mythology. And uh, Ophiuchus is standing vigil at a giant gate, a a giant black warp gate um, in a remote part of the galaxy and uh, basically it's implied that he's been there for a long time, like centuries, millennia, who knows? 
Um, he's a, he's a, a sentient robot and is immortal as a result. Um, and the, pretty much no one's come near the gate in fucking a long ass time, but he's, he's doing his duty. And then one day, um, something comes through the gate instead of going in, he's blocking people from going in it, but somebody comes out of the gate and it's a, a another being and the being is ill and infects, uh, Ophiuchus with a, a virus, uh, as it's dying. Um, and then shortly thereafter, two other robots, uh, Sajida and Pix, come and find Ophiuchus and explain what's going on. Essentially, there is a virus that is destroying big swaths of, uh, of, uh, of life in the universe. Uh, and this is all the, uh, it's all because of, uh, uh, a godlike being named Serpentis, and Serpentis has taken over uh, Sajida and Pix's civilization, their world, and they need Ophiuchus to help fight uh, Serpentis and cure the virus. Because as we find out after Ophiuchus gets infected, um, uh, he is immune from the from at least from the death. He can fight it off. He's he's able to to, to not die from it. Uh, and then from there, it's a, basically a space adventure, a buddy adventure between the three of them, and as they as they head out to to fight Serpentis, and um, it was a lot of fun. I, I have to say that uh, the thing about this book, and hopefully we'll put some images or post them on the Facebook, because the 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 main the story itself is is, is in many ways just the hero's epic, like the hero's journey. It's it, it's it's You've seen it or read it lots of other times. Um, but the depiction is unlike anything else I've seen in comics in, in that it's, um, it's, first of all, it's a, a very unique color palette. It's a, it, it's essentially all pastels, uh, uh, almost like art deco color scheme, lots of pinks, purples, um, light blues, that sort of thing. Um, but it's also rendered in a way that it almost looks like. Now, I'm not a fan of this cartoon, Steven Universe. I knew but, it. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah, but I think the characters look a lot like the Steven Universe animation. Hell yeah, they do. Yeah. So um, now I'm not a fan of Steven Universe because of the like the story, but but I I, I didn't mind the animation, and so this works for me. Um, and it's it's there. Are, tangentially other people and places, but it's really a story about these three on their journey and then fighting Serpentis. And um, I, yeah, I thought it was great. It's about 130 pages. Um, it's a pretty quick read. And I don't even know, I should have looked this up. I don't even know if you can still read the web comic for free somewhere. I'm sure you can. Uh, offhand, I don't know where though. So I'll have to find that and tell you all, but, um, but yeah, definitely it's, it's a really nice collection. And, um, I think it's it's familiar territory done well, if that makes sense. Nice. I well, good. I look forward. I have it coming, and uh, I look forward to reading it. I, I think visually, I think it's stunning. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's it, the visuals are the. It's like if you put a veneer over something familiar and it becomes something different. That's kind of what this is like. It, yeah. Visually, we've not seen this before. The 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 story itself, the plot, we've we've seen before. Right. Not crazy about the font used in the the uh dialogue balloons but what are you gonna do yeah i'm assuming that's just a port of the webcomic sure. right where they yeah. probably had a limited budget or something yeah right yeah 
can't escape it these days, right? Yep. But I think the the uh, the pastel visuals are just great. Character mm-hmm. character design is is awesome. Ophiuchus among us. Right. I was hoping that you would talk about this because I botch the Ophiuchus. I would have said it differently. And I'm glad that you said it and established a precedent. So now when I talk about it, I'll just say, oh, yeah, <laughs> Ophiuchus. Word. It's like when uh, if um, actors for Star Trek The Next Generation during a table read, if um, whoever whoever says the alien, their race, their name, whatever, whoever says it during a table read first, that's the way it's pronounced, which is why. Oh, nice. Um, which is why he's data and not data because Patrick Stewart at the table read said data and oh, interesting. It stuck. Um, I think it's better. I do too. That's, that's the only way I say it. Um, there was, I, I don't know if anybody's going to be, um, able to participate, but I was reminded, uh, when I stopped by the, comic shop that this saturday is comic fest which is basically a free comic book day in october um so um i picked up a couple of the comic fest packs because i forgot to order them when dcbs had them um to give out to trick-or-treaters if we get any this year but yeah so if if um check your lcs see if they're participating you may be able to um get some goodies again for the second time this year oh cool there you go. Okay, everybody. Thank you for spending time with us. If you would like to spend even more time with us, we are readily available on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, um, Facebook, all that stuff, and uh, Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We'll be glad to have you as a member. Oh, it would do our hearts really, really good. And uh, in the meantime, join us here next time. I'm guessing we're going to do a Sunday episode, but I didn't say that. That could happen. Say goodnight. What's up, Jason? What's up, Vince? Hi. How you doing? I'm doing all right. David. Oh. Stealth attack. Did you see it? Night. Well, you didn't see it. You heard it. You're. You heard. Seriously, though, how much does that guy in Watchmen look like you? I mean, I got to be honest with you. I didn't think about it when I was watching the episode. And then you posted the thing on Facebook. And I thought, oh, look at that. Dude, his follicles <laughs> on his beard, yes, they're yeah, exactly like yours. Them right, just right and the eyes, the way he squinted, it was, yeah. but not always. Just wearing the hat, especially yes. wearing the cat. No, I doppelganger. Told, I, 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 I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, so Vince took that screenshot and, and like, hey, what's up, Jason? And she yeah. started cracking up. It's true. I'm not I mean, a racist, though. No, but you're a handsome no, dude, and so was this guy in that exact second that I did the screen. Because before and after, there were moments like, eh, it doesn't look really like Jason. But that one little, the way he emotes and the squint, it's like, mm-hmm. boom, I had to grab it. No, that was good. That was Thank good you. on you. Thank you. Wow, you're way past David. But I think dude, you said I, it. I, I said, past. I yeah. said it. Oh, I didn't hear it, but I'll give it to yeah, you. I didn't hear right. it. Oh, oh excellent. Magnificent. You're the best. Uh, so join, <laughs> join, join us here next time. We'll, we'll all be 
um, in attendance with our libations and waiting to talk to you about comics. Look at the month in six days. Yes, we're going to fill your... Six days? Wednesday. I'm recording Wednesday. My goodness. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we'll be back. We love you so much. Join us. Say goodnight, my fellows. Peace out, y'all. Good night, fellows. Talk, tick, talk, tick, talk. Now, see, that's the part that pissed me off. Not only are they racist, but they're pretentious fucks. That TikTok, TikTok. Y'all need to slap. You need a slap. <laughs> yeah, you're right. About for that. seriously being pretentious. And and you're all guilty of it because you're repeating the shit that's coming out of this guy's mouth. Yeah. Lemons. You're out of here. Save us, Mister. Now.